to I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur, also known as Sabermetrix. My name is Sierra. My pronouns are she, her. My name is Dustin. My pronouns are, you know, take your pick. I'm good with whatever. Okay. Uh, and this is, like I said, Sabermetrix. It's a podcast that is a sincere and critical examination of the Fate series. And this episode, we have finished up Fate Stay Night. Yeah, the, the whole game. We're, we're, we're completely done. Uh, fuck, uh, wouldn't you know it? The Heaven Seal stayed good. It's per- yeah, it's pretty good. All it took was uh, two dog shit roots, and we ended up finally with a good one. Yeah, and, and both endings are very good in completely different ways. I so uh, desperately wish that they didn't make you end on normal end. I, yeah. I wish you could end on true end. Uh, you can if you if you fuck up with like Ilya and I, oh. or I think like fuck up uh, a specific choice where you limit where you uh, um, project too many times. But I see. Yeah. Okay. If if you don't make that specific choice, then yeah, you you uh, you're gonna get the normal end um, on the second playthrough, which isn't which is an interesting choice. Yeah, a lot of this ending is interesting choices. Yeah, I'm going to have... Yeah, as much as I loved it, there I'm going to have some qualms about a, a couple things that happen at the end. Um, some, some minor quibbles, some more. But uh, let's go ahead and dive right into Day 16. Um, as a reminder... Uh, before this all happened, um, uh, it's still like kind of in the evening, early morning. Uh, Rin and Ryder and Shiro uh, are heading to the Ryudo Temple at night to try and save Sakura and Ilya. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start day 16 um, with an interlude uh, at the the cavern underneath Ryudo Temple. Uh, Assassin has just arrived and is, uh, and basically uh, walks toward where Sakura is standing. Uh, She's looking pretty zoned out and there's like a big black pillar of fire behind her, which is probably fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, no, it's probably okay. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just said, yeah, it's probably okay. Yeah. Uh, with Assassin's remaining magical energy fading, he calls out for Zokin to ask if he's still alive. Zokin responds, his voice coming out of Sakura's mouth and echoing through the cave. The one killed by Kyrie in the forest was merely a collection of worms. Zokin's main body is hidden somewhere safe. Uh, Kyrie did succeed, however, in severely injuring him. He can no longer send magical energy to Assassin, and it's too much of a bother to find a new body above ground. Especially since a lot of people are dead now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Zokin orders Sakura to make a contract with Assassin. Sakura, however, ignores him, staring into space. Assassin speculates that her mind has already shattered. Believing this to be the case, Zokin decides that now is the time to take over her body. It is finally revealed that Zokin's main body is a worm pretending to be a nerve hidden within Sakura's heart. Uh, 
this was Zoken's tragic mis- well, not tragic. This was Zoken's uh, big mistake, though, in revealing where he was. Uh, because as he prepares to eat Sakura's brain, Sakura wakes up and speaks with her own voice this time, telling him there's no need to take control or to form a contract with Assassin. Uh, at that same moment, a darkness swallows Assassin, and his body is compressed in an instant, killing him. Uh, the skull mask falls away to reveal that Assassin's actual face was just another skull in a very it's funny room. so funny. Uh, Sakura remarks, quote, you, you didn't hide your face, but wore the mask to make, make people think a face lay beneath it. Such a disappointment, end quote. Uh, oh, Assassin. Yeah, uh, right. She explains to Zoken that uh, she killed Assassin because he attacked Shiro twice. She claims that she's the only one who's allowed to hurt Shiro. She then plunges a finger into her own heart and plucks out the Zoken worm. Zoken tries to plead for his life, claiming that possessing her was simply a last resort, and he totally wanted her to win and make the Mateau bloodline prosper again. He's re- no, really, guys. Please, I'm being legit here. Uh... <laughs> Sakura, of course, clearly doesn't believe him, and says that if that's the case, then he's clearly not needed anymore. And then she squishes him between her, her fingers. Uh, yeah. A scene that I really enjoyed, but then kind of gets fucked with later, um, unfortunately. I don't mind the scene being fucked with later, uh, in part because, like, this is, what, the third time we've seen Zoken die? Yeah, yeah, So like, you just... He's Zok- fucking coming back. Zoken not die. And also, like, it, it is pretty explicit in the other scene that, like, this is the thing that actually kills Zoken. Like, th- there was no way it, he could come back from the other scene short of a miracle from the Grail. Yeah, true. But, like, he, Zoken is dead from this. It's just delayed a little bit from actually happening. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I, I, <laughs> As are a lot of deaths in fate, I'm going yeah, to realize. Yeah, uh-huh. you got to let people have their dramatic last stance. Uh, yeah. But I really like this scene uh, in part because it is explicit uh, that what kills Zoken here is his inability to imagine uh, uh, Sakura as her as a like full human being with yeah. like capable of a variety of different emotions beyond just obedience and like th- the inability to conceptualize her agency and her own desires and like the fact that she might be a person who has any degree of selfishness, who might be a real person, is, like, the thing that kills him, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, like, both both Assassin and Zoken uh, jump to the conclusion that, oh, Sakura must just be ignoring us because her mind is broken, otherwise she'd totally be following our orders right now, obviously. Uh, also... <laughs> it just totally blows up in both of their faces. Also, uh, Nasu has negative subtlety. Like, oh, we have this child digging out the last vestiges of the uh, uh, of the grandparent who abused her, uh, and, but having nothing... Or digging out, but literally by punching a hole in her own heart. Um, yeah. But having no real way of filling that back up or anything, uh, and so lashes out instead at the world around her, uh, throwing a tantrum because... She has no real limits and no real way of understanding what comes next, and so there was a nihilistic tantrum. Um, 
Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. That feels. Mm-hmm, that feels appropriate. Yeah, because like we're 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 gonna see in, in a moment here that like Sakura doesn't have a plan. Like no, she, she's not capable of thinking ahead, uh, which is kind of why Rin gets the best of her later on. Um, yeah, there there is a specific point uh, when Rin shows up that I'm gonna get uncomfortably personal for everybody. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it. She has no plan here. She is, like, lashing out desperately because she doesn't believe anything can come next. Yep. Um, we uh, go back to the, the main group of heroes um, as Shiro, Ren, and Ryder approach the temple. Uh, Ryder warns them that she can feel a power at the top of the stairs. Something is being created in the pond behind the compound. Rin argues they don't have any business there, and they need to go down, not up, if their goal is to reach the Great Grail. They all head into the forest, and Rin asks if Shiro can see anything that looks like an entrance of the cave. He happens to notice a small stream of water, and asks Ryder if the source of the stream, uh, you know, the, the rocks that are right above it, uh, mark the cave entrance. Uh, Ryder asks him not to turn around, and then he hears a metallic clicking sound of uh, of her taking off her mask. Uh, with her mystic eyes, she confirms it's a natural cave, and they should just be able to fit through. As they descend into the total darkness, Rin asks Shiro why he made the gem sword for her, considering she's told him multiple times that she plans to kill Sakura. Uh, uh-oh. He says he did it for two reasons. One, he needed her help. And two, he wanted to keep at least one of his promises with her, since he couldn't keep his promise to let her win. Quote, I see, you're pretty faithful, Rin says. Yeah, but not as much as you, Shiro replies. Their small talk ends and they continue descending. <laughs> I just like that little uh, brief exchange between them. Yeah, I... I, I like that even, like, here, it's clear that Rin has doubts, because, like, she is just straight up like, why Why would you help me make the thing that I want to use to kill my sister? Yeah. Uh, and Shiro, like... I mean, part of it is, like, Shiro makes it in what feels like an acknowledgement that he might not be right. Yeah. Um, and that he trusts that Rin will be capable of making the correct decision, you know, because of their conversation earlier where where they both admitted that they need each other to balance each other out. Mm -hmm. So like, it's, it's, it's very much an act of faith on his part that like Rin will, Rin will know, like Rin won't, isn't going to use this unless it actually has to be used. He has that faith in her. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it it, it is not the uh, anime boy is dedicated to never breaking a promise because, like, this is Heaven's Feel. It's the route where he breaks every fucking promise because some of them are stupid fucking promises. Yeah, some of them shouldn't have been made to begin with. Right. (laughs) It is important that this is a promise he chooses to keep because, like, he trusts Rin, and he also acknowledges that he might be wrong, and that, like, other people might 
not only that he might be wrong, but that he might die, and that other people might need to do something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I, I, it is interesting and valuable, I think, that he chooses to uh, keep this promise. Um, eventually they reach a much wider cavern, lit by a dim green glow from bioluminescent moss. He can feel the path before them is saturated with life force. It should be dazzling, but instead it's so rotten it makes him want to vomit. With Rin leading the way, they steal themselves and head silently, silently down the path. At the end, the cavern opens into a space about as large as a school ground. Saber, Saber stands I, waiting, radiating hostility. So, I, I, I do think the description of this space is fucking sick, because it is described as being basically impossibly large. Yeah, it clearly cannot exist in, like, a realistic scenario. It's like a weird magic space. Like, I, I know I'm showing myself as the I think Dark Souls 2 was the good one ahead uh, here, but, like... I did. I do, too. Hell yes. <laughs> Dustin, hell yes. Correct. We're both correct, and I can't believe everybody is sending us hate mail right now. It owns, actually, that you can take an elevator up and get into, a, like, a lava area. Yeah, it's good, actually. The Impossible Place in Dark Souls 2 kicks ass. Um, and, like, the thing I desperately want for the animation, or uh, for the movies of Heaven's Feel, is for them to arrive to this place, and it to look like uh, uh, like the stairwell or the park in Bakemonogatari, where it is, like, yeah. impossible and is defined entirely by, like, the experience of being there. I mean, the actual yeah. thing is, I just, I love environmental design of Bakemonogatari, because it's fucking yeah. godlike. I love this absurdly huge staircase that isn't there for, like, tone. It kicks ass. We will get that shit in Fate Extra Last Encore. Are you for real? Yes. Bro, I'm gonna pop the fuck off. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I just I just really like... I always like it when a space is composed of things that feel familiar and mundane, but also are impossible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 it's great. Similarly for me, I, I like when spaces are uh, um, defined beyond just their... It, like, especially in cases like Fate, where so much metaphor is just material fact. Yeah. I like it when... And also Bakemonogatari, a, a story about... What if metaphors were material facts and we use that for therapy? Um, <laughs> I, I like it when those spaces are defined in part by, like, the experience, are expressed in part by the experience of being in them, like, and are reflective of the experience of being in them. Um, it, it, yeah. it is cool to me. I like it, it's good. I don't have much, like, deep language for it beyond, man, it was sick when fucking Aranagi was thrown through a whole bunch of desks that didn't make sense for there to be that many desks in a classroom, and it turned into a fucking wave. That was cool. Yeah, so Saber Alter is here. Um, she uh, looks very angry. Um, Rin reaches for her gem sword, apparently intending to fight Saber head-on. Uh, Shiro, knowing this would be a very bad idea... Uh, moves to stop her, uh, but Saber actually goes to stop her first. Uh, Saber asks Rin not to attack her, since she has no actual reason to fight her, and it would also go against Sakura's orders if Saber were to kill her here. Uh, 
Although Saber is to eliminate anyone that passes by the point she's standing at, Rin is an exception. Sakura wants to see her. Hearing this, Rin basically... Yeah, hearing this, Rin basically shrugs and goes, oh, alright then, and then walks past without hesitation. Uh, she goes, she does give Shiro some parting words, though. Quote, I don't know what'll happen to you, but I believe in you, so you'd better live up to my expectations. Make sure you're not too late if you want to save Sakura, end quote. She basically tells him, hey man, don't fucking die. It's incredible. (laughs) Uh... After Rin leaves, Saber remarks that it will be impossible for him to do that, though, since she'll kill him right here. She knows that Shiro is going to advance no matter what, so their fight is inevitable. Though Saber was once his friend, she now stands as an enemy, and Shiro takes hold of his shroud as he resolves to defeat her. Ryder releases her mystic eyes and motions for Shiro to stand back at a safe distance. She tells him that if she uses all her power, she can last for two minutes. During that time, she will create an opportunity. It will be his job to stand back and concentrate so he doesn't miss their chance to defeat Saber. Ryder rushes towards Saber and the battle begins. First, though, uh, we check in on Rin, who has arrived at the end of the cavern path. What awaits her is an even more impossibly high canopy uh, and a black sun uh, radiating atop like that. Black it's so fighter. fucking cool. It yeah. It uh, it also very much resembles the weird uh, shadow tower in uh, Shiro's dream that yeah. he just started seeing in Heaven's Field. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks dope. Yeah, uh, it, it's sick. Uh, she mentions that the K. Uh, it, it look. She mentions that this area looks less like an actual cavern and more like a desolate landscape, nearly three kilometers across, um, almost like a almost like a moonscape. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the massive the massive rock that holds the Great Grail is belching black fire from its mortar shaped center. This is where the Grail War first started. The vortex in front of her consists of effectively infinite magical energy. As she steps forward. She keeps watch for Assassin and, Zo- Assassin and Zoken, still I, I, believing them to be the biggest threats, and that Sakura is still simply a puppet. I, I do think However, it is worth... However, as she encountered... Oh, sorry. I, I, I was gonna just going to say, I do think it is worth mentioning that, like... Uh, it, it is infinite only by practical application. Like... Yeah, it's it, not This is, again, a, a demystification of the Holy Grail as, like, not a... Uh, uh, as... All it is is just a repository of a large but actually technically finite amount of magical energy, uh, whereas, like, it, it is infinite only in that it is more energy than anyone could use in their whole life, and so it is practically yeah. infinite, but it is not, like, this unknowable, ununderstandable thing. It's just a lot of power. And It like, is infinite in the way that Jeff Bezos' wealth is infinite. Yeah, and, and like, <laughs> you know, but I, I think that distinction is very important because like yeah. the Holy Grail as something that is actually infinite mystifies it and places it in this realm of untouchability, uh, where is it instead as finite, but effectively and practically infinite is a much different thing. It, it is an understandable and mundane thing. Um, yeah, it, even the Holy Grail itself has rule, rules to, to follow. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. 
Uh, so a- as she encounters no resistance, though, Rin is forced to con- come to the conclusion that Assassin and Zogan aren't here anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that Sakura is actually the one doing this of her own free will. Uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt here again because sure. I, I, I do think I do think that is also important to highlight here. Um, with Zoken dead, every older member and every older influence of this generational violence is gone. Like, I, Kyrie will show up again later. Um, surprise, but like beyond, yeah, it, but it, he's he's not really there to like influence them anymore he's just there to do his shit kyrie is also dead man walking like yeah literally um and so we are finally at the point where everybody is free of the puppeteers controlling things and they are the only ones left with agency for defining how they will move forward and so part of it is like from this moment on they're the ones left defining how this world will look what the shape of this world will be if they're going to continue being this embodiment of generational violence and this generational clash um is there any path forward for them that is anything other than violence and clashing and uh, uh, destruction is there any healing available at all um and i think it is like important to highlight that like everything that they do from this point forward is theirs and theirs alone yeah yeah they're they're the ones choosing their paths here um so at this moment sakura greets her uh standing on top of the cliff with the black sun at her back rin looks upon her and believes that sakura now is on gramainu she jokes out loud about how if kyrie were here i'd bet he'd call it a messenger from god Uh, she pulls out the gem sword. Is Kyrie but suddenly... just, like, hiding under a rock somewhere in the back? Yeah, <laughs> that's what just... I'm thinking. Is he just, like, chilling somewhere, just, like, watching this whole thing, cackling like a gremlin? Yeah, Kyrie, like, uh, like, chuckling once and thinking to himself, hmm, yes, a good joke for him. <laughs> I love Kyrie so much! <laughs> in, like, the most deadpan way. Um, oh god I still can't get out of my fucking mind him offering Shiro the curry it's just so powerful uh, it's real good Um, Rin pulls out the gem sword but suddenly wonders if it can match up to what Sakura has become Uh, there are two types of ritual weapons in the world one type amplifies a magus' magical energy Rin's jewels go under this category Uh, The other type is a special magical item that, when activated by the Magus, performs a predetermined divine mystery. It enables a Magus to perform magic they otherwise wouldn't be capable of. Although these types of items lack versatility, they can be incredibly powerful. Most noble phantasms are an example of this type of item. Rin doesn't actually know what type of item the gem sword is. Regardless, she can't help but feel Sakura could easily repel the gem sword at this point. Sensing this, Sakura taunts her sister, asking if she's lost her nerve. Quote, Where's your guardian? You're a coward, so doesn't it bother you that he's not by your side? End quote. Sakura says that even though she killed Zoken, she is still bound by someone else, Rin. She still, Rin still torments Sakura from within her own mind. To be free, Rin also has to die. 
Rin asks if she's gotten used to murder now, and Sakura argues that she's just doing what everyone else was doing. She's strong now, and everything's forgiven if you're strong. Quote, If I'm strong, and no one could beat me, everything I've done will be forgiven. If I'm not myself, everything I've done couldn't be helped. End quote. Uh, Rin asks if she intends to kill Shiro, too. She briefly hesitates, then answers that Shiro is the only one she wants to kill. Rin tells her that she's stopped being human. Sakura argues that Rin wants to kill her because she's jealous of her power and wants to take Shiro for herself. Four giant humanoid shadows matching the power of servants start to rise from the ground, and they reach out to swallow Rin. Uh, So... Yeah, I figured you'd have some stuff to say about Sakura's speech here. Yeah, I I have a lot of things to say here. Uh, the first is that Sakura is, like, again, we get this pretty blatantly clear statement that Sakura is not, like, actually sicko mode here. She, she has not been Jokerified. Um, she is doing everything she can to act that way because then she has a uh, uh like she literally says if i'm not myself everything i've done can't be helped she is trying to abdicate responsibility um because she is a terrified and hurt and scared uh teenager who is been abused her whole life falling into nihilism and self-destruction and wanting to burn the world down because she cannot see a world in which she is not in pain and suffering and doesn't see a world in which she doesn't you don't have to justify that you killed your abuser and like the complicated of feelings you have therein if you're not responsible for those actions you don't have to explain because the only people she has constantly killed right now are zoken kyrie and uh even kyrie is like not really uh, uh but zoken and shinji and like both of those are people who actively traumatized and abused her her entire fucking life. And yeah. also people she still cared about. And so, um, soccer right now is lashing out in like, like I, I really like this. Uh, and yeah, part- you can tell she's lashing out. Cause like she, she mentioned Shiro twice. Yes. Like in, in pointedly a, a way that reveals that she is still insecure about the fact that Shiro at one point had romantic feelings about Rin, or at least had a crush on her. Also, she contradicts herself in mentioning Shiro. She says, oh, I want to be the one to kill Shiro, except she's having Saber kill Shiro so she doesn't have to see him, because she knows seeing him would shatter to a degree this facade, because it already has once. Yeah. More than once. Um, and, like, her wanting to kill Rin here is a, uh, almost an attempt to make herself hit that point of no return. Um, and th- this is where the part where I'm gonna get, um, a, a little personal. Uh, so, like, uh, part of the reason Sakura hits so hard for me is sh- her depiction is really, really, really specific. Um, and when I say it's really specific, what I mean is the presentation of her as someone who is performing this action of being a quote-unquote good girl 
um, and trying to retreat from abuse into a uh, facsimile of normality, normalcy and uh, 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 perfection and well-behavedness. Um, that, and then finally hitting a point where she can't tolerate it anymore and breaking down a little bit and then hitting, going from that to uh, nihilistic self-destruction and wanting to burn the world down is very familiar to me because, hey, uh, I had an abusive mother um, who was abusive for most of my childhood. Uh, and that's like the exact same progression here that I hit. Uh, I, I spent a long time trying to be as good a kid as I could. Um, and then the dam fucking broke, and there was a long period of time where I was a fucking miserable person to be around. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised I had friends. I was self-destructive, I was cruel to people around me, I was, I was selfish and self-absorbed, I had no real understanding of how to interact with people in a way that was healthy, and I couldn't see it a way to accept help, or a way to ask for help. I couldn't even envision a world where, a world where I could ask for help, uh, let alone receive it, and so I, I kept cycling in that same sort of way between uh, performance, depression, and uh, uh, wanting to have the whole world burn down. And so if I had someone in whispering in my ears like this, feeding my, at my weakest point, feeding my basest emotions, amplifying them, or, or even just like providing an echo chamber, like Amber Grimainu is, uh, of repeating back those worst impulses to me and doing nothing to help care for me and amplify the better ones, even if the things I actually wanted were more than just being a depressed and sad kid who was upset at the world for letting me be hurt. Like, uh, I could have been way worse. Like, the thing that got me yeah. better was getting out of that spot, going to fucking therapy, having perspective and having people who helped care for me. Like... Sakura hits for me because of the specificity of her reaction to her trauma and abuse and the, the unending compassion this work has for her uh, while still going, hey, this reaction, this effective tantrum is both so incredibly understandable and also not acceptable. Like, uh, yeah. Sakura, it is completely understandable that this is your reaction that this is how you lash out at the world um it is a deafness from nasu that i could never have predicted he was capable of just from the first two roots even more than the deafness it is a compassion for uh, a hurt child especially for a hurt woman uh, that i would never have guessed he would have in the first two roots yeah uh, like, Sakura's actions are in no way framed as good, but they are always framed as understandable and with the compassion and an understanding that, like, the solution here is not retribution or punishment. It is care and reparation. It yeah, is she's not an enemy that needs to be defeated. Uh, she is a child who needs help. Yeah. Uh, and I think the thing that highlights this most specifically is the game also says there is a fucking line, though. And that line is Shinji. Like, this is the one route where Shinji's existence I don't like. 
But Shinji's existence at least feels justified. Because in no way are you ever meant to feel bad for Shinji's fucking death. He oh, earned yeah, that. No. He yeah. fucking earned that. Um, yeah, and it's telling that no one mourns him. No one mourns Shinji <laughs> at all in this route. Um, or, no, I take it back. Sakura mourns him. Sakura yeah, mourns that she Sakura killed him. Sakura does briefly mourn that, yeah. Sakura feels guilt for her actions of killing him. And, like, again, that is, like, those complicated reactions. But, like, I- I'm going to be real to you. If the mere thought of, man, I wish my abuser was dead uh, ended up with my abuser being dead, I don't know if my mom would be around right now when I was a fucking child. Like, that. There is no crime in thinking those thoughts, especially when, like, you have no control over it. Like, Yeah. Um, but Shinji's existence and his subsequent punishment makes it clear that there is a line here, and that line is the willful harm of others and buying in to those systems of harms as justified. Uh, it, like... It doesn't make clear where exactly that line lies, but it makes it clear that there is one, and Shinji crossed it long ago. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah. I, it, it it's it's a line that it's a line that Nasu like trusts that like you know it you know it when it's gone too far. Yeah, <laughs> like and, it should be clear. And I think that is even important. Though if you can't even though you can't articulate it specifically. And I think that that's important, uh, that acknowledgement that even if we don't know where the exact point of that line is, uh, there is a line. Because it keeps this text from thematically devolving into a uh, mortal relativism of anything Sakura does is forgivable because she was abused. Yeah. Because that's not what the text is saying. The text is saying it is understandable that you react like this and that the solution here is not to punish you for your actions, but to... Uh, care for you to help you get better and to help you make reparations for those actions whatever both you and the world feel is necessary and that is the much harder choice like the thing sakura is doing here this uh uh, falling into self-destruction and uh wanting to drag the world down with her is it, it is familiar to me in part because it was the easiest option i had available it it is fucking hard to call yourself out of that hole it is so hard to figure out a way forward there because you don't have any idea how and it is so much easier to fall into self-destructive nihilism and wishing the world would burn because you can just lash out and be hurt and be angry and not have to think or work or do anything other than die uh, or wait for the world to kill you. Yeah. And Sak- and the, the work basically demanding that Sakura reject that and move forward is a deafness and care for what will actually help her beyond what I expected. Um, and I I appreciate the work. It, and it will stick this landing. It is the other thing. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. this, this is the thing that I had been worried about for like the whole time, and I'd, I'd mentioned stuff like this before, but I'd been worried it wouldn't actually stick the landing. But no, like, it it follows through on this. It it pulls this trigger and follows through on this compassion and this demand for Sakura to move forward and make reparation. 
Yeah. Um, and, and it highlights that the way you do that is through with other people and it, through and with other people and caring for them and doing your best to care for others in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that is the... Oh, uh, the other thing I was just going to highlight here is sure. um, that Sakura's magic is explicitly absorption here, and that is the thing that she is doing with these shadows, and like... Yeah, she's, uh, again, she's absorbing it, magic from the from the pillar, basically. And well, and again, it, it is like a literal... Again, Nasu has the subtlety of a brick thrown through a window. Like, she is a somebody in the throes of nihilistic self-destruction, and the thing she is wanting to do is consume and bring everybody down with her. And, like, gee, I wonder if it's a metaphor for the ways being in these throes of nihilistic self-destruction can... Uh, uh, consume and absorb yeah. the people around you and hurt them literally what happens literally how saber becomes ultra saber it, yeah we, we, weird weird i want i wonder if nasu is like doing a thing uh, no definitely not <laughs> uh meanwhile rider's fight with saber speaking of which is not going too well uh saber remains untouched and it's already uh, been 10 minutes uh when rider said more than she 10 can, minutes yeah, more than 10 minutes, because Ryder said she can only ha- ha- hold out for two. Yeah, the, the text is, Ryder said she could only last two minutes. Uh, paragraph break. It's been 10 minutes since passing that limit, and I popped the fuck off. It, <laughs> because, like, uh, I mean, so, like, this is the first time Shiro has been fully, like, this route, rather, is the first time Shiro has been, like, fully defenseless. Because, like, every other route, he is, you know, on the back foot or whatever. But he has Saber, who is explicitly and repeatedly the most powerful servant, over and yeah. over and over again. Um, he doesn't have Saber in this route, uh, and instead, Ryder just is popping the fuck off and holding her own for 12 minutes, and it's so fucking cool. Yeah, Ryder has a lot of great moments in, uh, uh, well, not a, not a lot, but the moment but she has But every Ryder moment's right. a good moment in this route. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, Ryder is quickly losing strength, however. Um, they, uh, they both knew, though, that this would happen. Um, Ryder and Shiro are simply waiting for the right moment, uh, to change what fate has in store for them. At the same instant, Ryder unleashes another attack. Shiro loosens his shroud. His mind is assaulted as he searches for the weapon he needs. An image that we recognize as his memory of his father's last moments fills the screen, then shatters like glass. Quote, it disappears. Something I value disappears. I can't remember what I lost, but what I kept in my heart cannot be recalled ever again. End quote. Uh, so just, again, making making the metaphor real, like the, the ideal that turned him into hero Emia in other roots, like, does not exist anymore. In his yeah, he, he has fully foregone it. Is this also the moment where he limitless pills himself? Um, or is that coming up? No, that is okay. later. I think um, he continues uh, to wait. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because yeah. this is a moment you can potentially get onto the normal end if you oh, project right, something yes. here. Yeah, if um, you do project here, then yeah, you can choose to project here. In which case, Shiro will project uh, project uh, Khaled Bulb two. Uh, the same air, air sword turned into an arrow that Archer projects in Unlimited Blade Works. Um, 
and you make <laughs> it's it... very funny that you get the really terrible ending if you do that uh-huh well it's because uh, uh then he also makes another projection later uh and yeah. he basically passes his limit um and so this is the way you get on normal end one if you project here and you don't trust uh writer um and try and do it all himself you know the thing that like this has constantly been decrying uh and uh challenging shiro on and saying hey you can't do this you have to like care for yourself and also the people around you you can't take everything on yourself yeah um if he decides to ignore that uh you get the normal end uh and shiro fucking dies yeah which we'll, we'll cover the normal end later uh it's rough uh, yeah <laughs> uh so anyway um he continues to wait for the right moment. He, he chooses to trust uh, Ryder and the plan uh, and soon feels his right lung get slashed from within his body. Uh, Ryder is now exhausted and on her knees in front of Saber. Saber moves in for the kill. Shiro wants to intervene, but he knows he has to trust her and wait. Their plan has already been determined. At the last moment, Ryder retreats out of Saber's range, tangling her change around Saber as she leaps back. Saber is now nailed into the ground, forcing her to take time to destroy the chain. But it's just enough time for Ryder to activate her noble phantasm. Saber is now forced to unleash her own noble phantasm in response. Alder's Excalibur, however, releases black light, and the wind that bursts forth is permeated, permeated by a scorching heat. What we have now is a good old-fashioned Shonen Beam struggle. <laughs> Love these things. <laughs> I mean, it's a Shonen Beam struggle, but, like, there, there's emotion and, like, metaphor. It, it, it is yeah. a Shonen Beam struggle in the same way that uh, uh, a the lightsaber fight at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi is a lightsaber fight in the, like, if a DBFZ, is, uh, or DBFZ well, or, beam struggle is it, fucking... It, the, the sword fight father at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. uh, however, Shiro is also here, waiting. Um, he accelerates himself, effectively stopping time. He says, uh, uh, in that instance, I stop time. Uh, I accelerate all my processes, disguising this instant as eternity. And he fucking limitless pills himself, and I am going apeshit. I'm popping off because it's cool as shit. Uh, it, it's also cool to me for another reason, because I know what Karitsu can do, Karitsuku can do because of Fate Zero, and I'm like, ah, aha, interesting. <laughs> that Shiro Is that a thing Karitsuku well. can do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh! Yeah. Neat! That's uh, cool! Yeah. In Fate Zero during, uh, it, it is a huge strain on his body, so he doesn't do it often, but uh, there is a scene in the later parts of Fate Zero where Karitsuku literally, like, stops time. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty rad. Isn't uh, fucking time travel one of the sorceries or whatever? I can't remember. Um, I know the second sorcery that, that we'll see in a moment here is like parallel dimension travel. But, second sorcery is uh, parallel dimension. Third sorcery is control of the soul. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember I, what the... Uh, there, uh, there probably is a time sorcery. I, mean, I don't remember. It, I'm sure they, it'll come it up probably. when it's relevant. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, in any case, um, Shiro summons the Petal Shield, Ro Ayas, uh, to help Ryder withstand uh, the corrupted Excalibur. Uh, when... He is explicit, too, that the greatest projection Archer has ever known is Ro Ice. 
Um, yeah, which and, is interesting because like, it's a shield, and typically, uh, well, at least Archer uh, likes to think of himself as a sword, and so does so does Shiro as a sword, I, and not a shield. Unlimited Blade Works is a world that is only produces swords that only contains swords. Like yeah. uh, the fucking chant goes, "I am the bone of my sword." Shiro is generating swords inside of his body right now. His affinity is sword. It is again. Nasu has the subtlety of a brick through a window. The greatest thing that Shiro has, or the greatest projection that Archer and Shiro have ever known is a shield to protect people, despite their entire body being built to produce weapons and to produce yeah. swords. It, like, this is also a mirror of the moment in the Fate Route, where, again, the, the greatest projection that Shiro makes is um, Excalibur's sheath. Yeah, uh-huh. Again, like, the the thing that is valuable is not violence, it is protecting those you care about. Just hammering home that theme in case you haven't, in case it hasn't been clear. Yeah. Um, when the dust settles, Shiro finds that both servants have been blown backward, still alive. However, Ryder is out of magical energy. Saber, meanwhile, is deeply wounded and lying on the ground, but still has power left in her. She is still a threat. Without knowing what he needs to do, Shiro starts running and re- and takes out the Azoth sword that Rin gave him. He reaches Saber and straddles her body. Although he briefly hesitates to kill his friend, he knows what's on the line and brings the dagger down into her chest. Quote, There were memories. There was the warmth of life. Her warmth was always by my side. I kill her along with those memories. I search through my mind and throw them away to where I can't find them again. They'll never return. I'll never recall her now. Such a thing will never be forgiven. I chose this path. I killed someone else to save Sakura. Using my own hands, I killed someone who protected me until the very end. Neither regret nor confession will bring forgiveness. This is what it means to ally with someone. I'll keep sacrificing important things for the one I love... And on this path, there's nothing brilliant enough to make up for what I've lost. End quote. Uh, that's a bigger chunk than I normally directly quote, but I think that is one of the most important things that <laughs> Shiro says. <laughs> Just sort of coming to terms with um, not only his conviction in the path that he's chosen, but also like what that means. Um, that he That he does have to make choices about who lives and who dies and he has to sometimes he has to be the one that makes that choice and other people will not just simply make make those choices for him also part of it too is uh uh, the final nail in the coffin for that ideal there is nothing dazzling enough to make up for the fact that like killing saber is killing that last ideal is killing that last bit i'm going to be a superhero who saves everybody thing um and, like, there, there is no getting back that childlike ideal when you become an adult and, like, have to reckon with the fact that that's not how things work. That's not, like, the actual material reality we live with. Um, like, you, you can't unopen that box. Um, and so, I, I mean, part of it is, like, I guess I at least don't read this as he is actually literally forgetting uh, Saber entirely. If somebody says Saber, he'll go, who? I don't remember that. 
but instead more, I am not holding these memories precious to me anymore. I can't hold on to them like this. I can't hold on to those ideals anymore in that same way. I, I will get rid of them and I will get rid of their importance and I will toss them away. Um, yeah. So I, I think him, the other thing here is like, Saber is dead effectively already. Like she has been consumed by the Holy Grail. Like servants, when they enter the Grail are dead. They're, they're gone. That that is the end point for, uh, servants who have lost, like, she has yeah. already lost at this point. There is yeah, no Saber especially her. so, because she made a promise with the Grail as she was dying. Like Right. <laughs> yeah, that, there, there is no coming back for her. And so, like, he has to make this choice. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's rough. It's sad to see Saber go. Um, it's not the I, roughest I, death I, either. Yeah, that that is true. Um, uh, I think it's especially rough just because, as we mentioned before, Saber really never feels like she's done right by her root. No, fuck no. So it's kind of like an extra fuck you <laughs> to save her fans, not intentionally so, uh, because like this, in the context of the story, this this absolutely does need to happen. Uh, but it's also just like a. Sorry, you're never going to get what you want. Even last episode is like... Yikes. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, back at the Greater Grail, Rin has activated the Gem Sword. She's already obliterated six of the uh, giant shadows with its golden light. Uh, she activates it again with a different incantation, firing a wide beam of bright light that fills the cavern and eliminates the last of the shadows. Finally, she reaches the top of the cliff where Sakura is. Sakura doesn't understand how Rin could possibly have the strength to kill even one of the shadows. She explains that she's not dispelling the curse itself. She's simply eliminating the magical energy from Sakura that's creating the shadow. Sakura, however, exclaims that even that should be impossible. Not recognizing the weapon, she wonders aloud if the gem sword is somehow copying Saber's noble phantasm. Rin explains that it's Zeltric's gem sword and has nothing to do with Saber. Uh, Sakura uses souls to create magi- magical energy. Her power imitates that of sur- third sorcery. Rin, meanwhile, is using an imitation of second sorcery. The sword reaches into parallel worlds in order to draw energy from endless, intera- endless uh, um, iterations of the same cavern, uh, which basically allows her to... Um, like, once she depletes the energy in one cavern, she can just find a new one and then just mm-hmm. do that over and over and over again. Uh, Sakura is scared and confused by this turn of events, which keeps her from no- noticing that Rin's body is quickly being worn down by the sword. That said, the cavern itself is going to collapse from the force of the battle before Rin's body gives out, which will result in both the altar and the greater, greater grail being destroyed. Uh, Rin has basically su- Rin has successfully put Sakura in an unwinnable situation. Uh, no yeah. matter what, she's going to lose. Um, realizing this, Sakura complains about her unfair fate. Quote, I'm, I was jealous of you. You stayed, the, you stayed at the Tosaka's house and were always brilliant. 
I hate you for never knowing any trouble. That's why I want to win. I wanted you to praise me just once. Why can't you let me have a little thing like that? End quote. She always believed that Rin would come to save her, but she never did. She never asked to become this. It was forced upon her. Rin, however, does not offer a word of sympathy, replying, Oh, what of it? Things like, this ha- things like that happen. It's not like crying will change anything. And besides, being a monster doesn't sound so bad. It doesn't hurt now, right? Uh, Rin tells... Oh. <laughs> the the that doesn't the the it doesn't hurt now right <laughs> is Rin being I don't think Rin I don't think we've seen from a place of experience yeah I don't think we've seen Rin be that pointed in anywhere else I, I mean here's the thing uh, uh, I think Sakura because Sakura interprets this as like. Rin taunting her. She interprets it in the worst possible light. To me, at least, Rin is not taunting her. Rin is commiserating. Like, yeah. Rin also sees herself as a monster. Because, like, we see her time and time again. Yeah, Rin is kind of being sarcastic here because, like, she has a, she has had similar feelings about her own life. Well, when, when shit hits the fan, when her back is to the wall, she will fall into that easy terrible option um and say well i'm the person who can make the hard choices i guess it can't be helped uh uh, and like we see her willing to make those choices because they're easy like back when it was oh we uh when sakura was dying in the church and kyrie was saving her she was like well guess we have to kill her you know it's terrible but i guess we have to like Everything about what she's been taught has been to shape her into that. And so, like, her seeing herself as a monster tracks. She tries to kill every part of herself that is a person at every turn because she doesn't know how to function otherwise. Yeah, It doesn't we, hurt when you kill yourself. Yeah, but as we know from when Little Blade works, like the conversation she's had with Shiro, it does hurt a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. She, does, yeah. she, she is constantly, like... Wondering if she is becoming the right person. Yeah, and so, like, to, to me at least, I read that as more commiseration than taunting. As, like, I also feel that way. It feels good to wallow in this pain, doesn't it? Yeah, I... It is commiseration in in the only right way that Rin can think to do in this situation, where, like... She she is not saying things in the right way for what Sakura needs right now. She is she is saying this stuff as someone who is frustrated and terrified and uh, is just sick of it all. Well, um, I think uh, uh, because part of this conversation also ends up being. Um, this is what I was talking about, about it being, like, the gentlest possible condemnation of Sakura's tantrum as hurting people. Uh, uh, because part of this conversation, Sakura literally basically goes, I'm the only one who's ever suffered pain ever, uh, because she's a fucking teenager who has been hurt and doesn't understand, like, the way pain exists in this world, and that, like, her pain is not necessarily unique or special, even if it is terrible and tragic. Um, 
Yeah, and that's where like Rin's "Oh, what of it?" things like that happen come from comes from. Like, right? Well, uh, even because uh, I mean, I, I can discuss this in a couple minutes when we get to there uh, at this point. But yeah, yeah. It, this is a good conversation. Um, Rin Rin tells Sakura that she can't understand other people's pain, and she's not going to try to understand Sakura's. However, Rin tells her that she never thought her own life was blessed. This enrages Sakura, who resumes her onslaught. Rin decides she's waited for Shiro long enough and throws the gem sword at Sakura. It explodes, blinding her. Rin runs toward her and pulls out a dagger from behind her back. Sakura, believing she will, ne- she will be killed, closes her eyes and waits for the end. However, she suddenly feels a sensation of warmth and opens her eyes again. Blood is flowing out of the stomach of Rin, who is hugging her tightly. Rin quietly remarks that she can't complain about Shiro. At the last moment, she realized she could not kill her sister. Mm-hmm. Quote, I like you, Sakura. I've always watched you, and I wanted you to smile. I wanted to believe that you had it better the more that I suffered. I was so preoccupied with that, so I didn't even have time to think about if it was painful or not. I'm sorry I was a selfish sister. And thanks. I'm glad you always wore that ribbon. End quote. With that, Rin crumbles, uh, Rin crumples down on the altar. Uh, Sakura suddenly wonders if Rin had also been lonely in a way no one else could understand. Perhaps she, too, had been bound by something. Sakura realizes that she had had everything she wanted right in front of her, and she had destroyed it all herself. She cries out in sorrow and curses herself. Yeah, I I mean, uh, so Rin saying she uh, doesn't see herself as ever having been blessed isn't like... I I do think it is important to clarify that, to me at least, it is not Rin equating their circumstances, but like... Yeah. I I do think it is important to highlight, like, Rin is a child soldier who has been raised in a horrifying environment that has been designed to teach her to kill her uh, emotions and any empathy and care she would have for other people uh, with a father who died when she was very young, raised in part by a batshit evil (laughs) priest. By Chirie, possibly one of the worst parental figures you could have. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and also, like, Rin has also been obligated to perform this perfection uh, because of what has been expected of her. Like, she has not suffered in the same way, but that does not negate her suffering. And, like, I I think that is important to highlight, especially for Sakura, because she's hit with this one-two punch. Uh, uh, The realization that... This is the realization that brings you out of this nihilistic self-destruction. This is the thing that makes you grow up, at least in my experience, of realizing, oh, other people around me are hurting. And also, oh, me lashing out like this is hurting those people around me. And my pain isn't unique or special. Like, this realization of empathy and also caring for other people around you and also that you are responsible for the harm you've caused to other people around you is what helps pull you from that, like, flailing, to me. Yeah. Uh, or, or for me, at least. Yeah, um, it's, it's a real good scene. Yeah. Also, uh, Rin it, gets to be a big damn hero in, in her own damn scene, and I like to see it. 
it, it's it's so fucking good. And, and like again, like as uh as Rain approaches with the knife, uh we again get uh Sakura basically saying, uh, "Oh, I can't do anything to protect it." Well, it's only right that I'm getting killed here. I I deserve it. It's justified. And yeah. like again, we have Rin, the person who has been like, "I will kill her. I will kill her. I will kill her." The whole time, finally saying, "Oh, oh no, that's." That's not right. That's yeah. that's not what to do here. Shiro was correct all along. I the, the I, to, I I am more like him than I want to admit. The, the thing I want here is to care for you, to give you a hug, and tell you it's okay. Not even to like condemn. Like it doesn't even cross her mind that she needs to forgive Sakura for killing her. Like she just hugs her and tells her she's glad she wore the ribbon. Yeah, I'm I'm tearing up a little bit. This scene. This scene is very, very good. Yeah, it rules. Um, back with Shiro, uh, he feels the cave begin to rumble. The Azoth sword he was holding crumbles away. Uh, he has just enough energy between himself and Archer's arm to manage one more projection. But at that point, he won't be able to suppress the arm anymore. He looks around for Ryder, and as he moves, his body is pierced by something that feels like metal that's formed inside of him. Uh, he... Basically knows what's happening to himself, but he ignores it in order to keep on moving. Uh, Gee, I what? That's the most Shiro thing anyone has ever fucking done, huh? Yeah. If I just put it out of my mind, it what? I don't have to worry about it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He finds Ryder still resting against the wall she was smashed into, and tells her to come after him once she can run again. Ryder is still well enough to answer, telling him she'll follow him shortly. He struggles through the pain of his body turning into swords and eventually reaches the main cavern. He There's hears... a, a specific pair of lines that uh, when he gets up, when he says, I can't walk well, I walk. Uh, and it's so fucking good because that's yeah. that's just Shiro in a nutshell. Like that, uh -huh. that, is, that is his character. I can't do this well. I have to do it, so I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. It's like, what it, it's other choice do good. I have? It's, I'm uh -huh. just going to do it. Um, he hears Sakura cry out for her sister and immediately fears the worst. However, he finds that it's too late. Rin is lying on the ground and Sakura is in the midst of rejecting the shadow. Um, it's around this time. <laughs> cause I'm, cause on previous recordings, I, I had been worried that Rin was, that Rin was just going to die on this route. And around this time, <laughs> I was thinking, Nasu, I swear to Christ. <laughs> <laughs> if you go through with this, I will obliterate you. Um, <laughs> God, okay. How fucking funny would it be for the route he gives you with Rin to beat fucking Unlimited Blade Works, and then for the one good route to be the one where he kills Rin? I, I would never forgive him. <laughs> oh my God, you would fucking lose your mind. I, I would. Uh, uh, Rin, oh my God. Uh, Rin's sacrifice has managed to, sock, uh, to shock Sakura into regaining her sanity right when they all need it most. Uh, Shiro notices, thankfully, that Rin is still breathing and tells Sakura that they can still save her. However, the shadow, in an attempt to protect its own birth, lashes out at Shiro. Sakura begs him to run away, saying that she can no longer be saved, nor does she deserve to be. Shiro ignores her and keeps approaching. He removes the shroud one last time. 
The shadows that attack him no longer pierce him, but slide off his body with a spark. He tells her that yes, she did take lives, so she must take responsibility. No matter what her crimes were, he'll protect her. He uses his last projection to create Caster's noble phantasm, Rule Breaker, and I lose yeah, my mind. Don't... I go ape shit here. Um, <laughs> both because Chiro is saying the thing that I've been saying the whole time of, hey, the, the solution here for you hurting people is not to die. It's to make reparations, to care for people, and to like, take responsibility for your actions and move forward. Uh, and then also him making Rule Breaker has me fucking popping off because it's so cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, right, Shiro can be smart sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's, not, he's not just a, a boy who, like, continues on. Uh, uh, I'm going to punish you, Shiro says. This is going to be harsh, so grit your teeth. Sakura shows her chest to him, and he stabs her with Rule Breaker, nullifying all her contracts. Also, it explodes her clothes off for some reason, leaving her naked. Yeah, it does what, do that. Um, whatever, I guess. But yeah, I, I think it is important that Shiro, like, does think... Like, she thinks she's gonna die here. She does not know what Rule Breaker is, but, like, Shiro knows what's gonna happen. He has no intention of killing her. And, like... I think he does think this is harsh. I think this is going to be... I think he does think this is going to be hard. This is way harder than just dying. Yeah. Yeah, because she's going to have to, like, live with Mm -hmm. all the shit that just happened. Um, Sakura falls to the ground, but she's still alive and appears to be sleeping. Rin isn't bleeding anymore, thanks to her magic crest, which is keeping her alive. However, Angra Mainyu has grown so large that it can now come out even without Sakura's help. Shira will have to use Excalibur to destroy the Great Grail. At this moment, Ryder appears at his side. He tells her to take Rin and Sakura to the surface. She agrees, but before she leaves, she reminds him that he needs to survive too. She needs him to support Sakura. Shiro fights against his own demise and reaches the Holy Grail only to find Kyrie standing in his path. This motherfucker. <laughs> this fucking cockroach of a man will not die. It's a delight. Uh, the priest will die in just a few minutes, but before that happens, he wants to give birth to the curse. He argues that while Angra Mainyu's actions are evil, no one yet knows what Angra Mainyu thinks about its own actions. Quote, If he considers them evil and agonizes over them, or considers them good and laughs about them, that is not something we can assume. If that thing has emotions like those of humans, um, sorry, if that thing has emotions like those of humans and agonizes over its own doings, it is evil. But if it has no doubt about its existence, it is good. Every, everyone wished for him to be that way, after all. If it has no doubt about its function, it cannot be evil, end quote. It's such a curious thing to take the completely wrong lesson. <laughs> From everything yeah, I mean, that has happened. Kyrie bar- basically argues that evil is a sheer matter of intentionality. Uh, and even says, like, oh, you know, evil and good is a mutable thing uh, based on human yeah. life. And, he like, does the moral relativism thing that we were just making fun of. Right. Like, he, <laughs> he basically says, oh, yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's all a matter of intentionality. Does he think he's evil? Well, then he's evil. Because he needs to justify his own existence um, and justify how he's lived his life so far. 
Yeah, because, like, Kyrie can't just admit that he's a dick. He has to come up with some excuse for it. Like, oh, I had no choice. I was just born this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, he explicitly even says, I, it's literally the next line I wrote down in the summary, uh, he also wants to know if it is a crime to live as you are when you are different from others. Um, uh, but by when Kyrie he says also, different uh, from others, he means if it's okay to be a murderer and not be, and not be sad about it. Like, the one compelling part of his argument is uh, that this this thing hasn't even been born yet. It yeah. is unreasonable to condemn it for actions it has never taken and an immorality it has never had a chance to have. Like, it, yeah, that is the be- one good point he makes. He just spins that out into something wildly and wildly ridiculous. Right. Um, and like, ultimately, Shiro decides to kill it, not necessarily because it's evil, but because like. It being alive is a thing Sakura need it, it not being alive is a thing that is necessary for Sakura's happiness and so like I, so one thing I do want to mention is like you can talk about Angermainu as a really complicated abortion metaphor yeah I think you have the only reason I mention it is like it is a thing that is there on the face of the text that I think you can work yourself into a shoot over i don't think the text really holds water with that or or if it does is not a particularly interesting or nuanced view yeah at at the very least it doesn't seem like it is a topic that nasu was really trying to explore at all like there's there's some base level similarities in the language that is used to talk about Angra mind you but the nothing in Fate Stay Night is particularly interested in, in exploring that outside of the rhetoric Kyrie uses in an attempt to justify his own existence he doesn't actually care about Angra mind you he just wants to see it born because he wants to justify his own existence like so I, I think you could make a case that it is uh, a text about the place of abortion in uh, pregnancies as a result of sexual assault. Uh, because of the positioning of Sakura, the way that she ends up being, quote-unquote, impregnated with Angermainu yeah. uh, in the relationship. And then the positioning of Kyrie, a Catholic priest, yeah, coming uh-huh. out and being like, oh... Uh, th- we don't know if this baby is evil yet. We can't kill it. It's your responsibility to carry it to term. And yeah. so, like, but also, I have no intention of protecting it once it's born. I just want to make right. sure it gets there. Yeah, <laughs> like, I have no Kyrie intention of literally it once uses it's born. the rhetoric of like anti-abortion also, activists. <laughs> also, I have no intention of protecting the uh, mother or like doing what is in her best interest either. Yeah. Um. It, it is entirely about my own self-satisfaction, and so like. I mention this just because I think the bones of that are there, and also, like, the fact that even on, like, a basic level, this text still ends up going, no, removal of Angermainu is necessary for the care and survival of the uh, quote-unquote mother in this yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 but I mention it specifically because, like, I think it is 
it is an immediate conclusion to draw based on the text and it's on, there on the face, but I don't think it digs into it in any real and meaningful way beyond kind of like a structure you can fit onto that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel pretty much the same way. Okay. Um, uh, where was Kyrie I? is oh. saying, um, you know, I, I think this should oh, survive. Okay, yeah, he, I found my place here. Uh, so, okay. realizing their different perspectives are irreconcilable, um, Shiro and uh, uh, Kyrie rush each other to start just beating each other to death. Because neither of them has have weapons anymore. Like, Shiro needs to save his projection for the Great Grail, and Zoken, like, not Zoken, um, Kyrie doesn't have his black keys, so they're just gonna fist fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, as Shiro's, I, it is literally as, the fucking end of Metal Gear Solid 4 fight. Yeah, as Shiro's body is just, like, growing more swords, and he's looking like fucking Sword Wolverine. <laughs> He's literally fucking breaking and cutting Kyrie's hands as he punches him. Uh, it's so good. Uh, before that happens, though, uh, we get an intermission where Zoken, that asshole, is somehow clinging to life as a mass of red flesh. Uh, he is slowly moving toward the Grail in an attempt to realize his wish. However, he is stopped in his tracks by a girl resembling his partner, Justice, who sacrificed herself to create the Great Grail 200 years ago. Um, this girl is clearly Ilya, uh, as the yes. Grail. Um, well, I, I, I think it is also important here that, like, uh, we get, like, explicit confirmation here. Zokin was there when they made the Grail. Yes. Like, that, that was a thing we were not really aware of to begin with. Zokin was there when this shit started. We knew he'd been around for a while. We did not realize he'd been around for, like, 500 plus years. Yeah. And, like, Ilya in her current form is implied to be, like... Not only just herself and the Grail, but also Justice as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean like that—that that is the reason for the homunculus it is uh, uh, to be replicas of Justice, is my understanding. Yeah, um, she is clad in white leggings and a white robe with gold trim. A piece of red fabric that's long and thin, almost like a scarf, hangs hangs on her shoulders and falls down the front of her robes. A white and gold crown sits atop her head. Uh, she asks Zokin why he does not want to die. Um, Zoken says he wished to exceed... Well, actually, Zoken doesn't say these things. That's the interesting thing. Zoken thinks these things. Mm-hmm. And Ilya... And, and Grail Ilya can know what he is thinking. Because um, Ilya's existence now is not in reality as we know it. She's become something more. Um, he wished to exceed the limits of the human form to be reborn as a higher existence and reach the ideal utopia. He wished to eliminate all evils of this world. He finally comes to the realization that such a goal could not possibly be obtained by one person, or even in 500 years. It is a goal... I am going apeshit at this moment. Sorry. It, it is ahead. a goal that humanity is destined to collectively work toward, and the contributions of him and the other magi who started the war were just the beginning of the journey. His was simply a first step. Uh, he accepts his mortality just as part of the cavern falls on top of him, killing him once and for all. For real this time, we swear. Yeah, I, I mean, so this is like the realization that, like, yeah, okay, the creation of the Grail was, like, 
selfish and self-serving, but also it was with the objective of... Uh, basically what's implied is, like, Zokin and the other uh, people who made the Grail realized or at least believed there was no, like, kingdom of heaven awaiting them after death. And so they wanted to make, effectively, the kingdom of heaven on Earth. Yeah, they, mo- uh, they want to make their own heaven. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, like, they started with that objective... Uh, and, uh, there's a quote where he says, uh, uh, this is, this explicitly is the start of the journey. Uh, it's probably just a start. His journey is just starting. 500 years is nothing. How can it be reached in a mere 500 years? What they wished for is distant, dazzling, sacred. Something that will come true in the distant future. A growth of, hum- of the human species that will come after many years. Thousands of years. Tens of thousands of years. And, like, and so this is trifling, but a meaningful matter to their journey. It's not their desire that starts here. That is, the history to reach the distance starts its loop with an end of a dream. Um, and it is explicitly talking about that the way you reach that is not through brute force, which is all the grail is. It, 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 the start of the journey is three kids or a start not even the singular start but a start is three kids learning how to escape generational violence by caring for one another and that reparations and caring for each other is the way to move forward after harm um it is a genuinely really beautiful sentiment um i'm i'm tearing up a little bit honestly uh but yeah, yeah j- it's just so the idea bizarre that... that it comes from like a Zokin scene, and it's and the Zokin it... like almost redemption, not necessarily redemption, but like Zokin coming to peace with his own mortality scene. It's so weird. It, it, it is Zokin condemning every action he has taken, or he has uh, been responsible for at this point in realizing he was wrong, and that the, the thing that is actually the start for it is not this brute force of three mages. It is people caring for each other. Um, and that, yeah, it, it's, it's very good. Um, again, I'm tearing up a little bit, uh, but yeah, <laughs> a- any story that is about, Hey, the way, the way you make the kingdom of God on earth is people caring for each other, uh, is, uh, a story that's going to hit really hard for me. Yeah. It's a scene that I initially, just cause I was like, Oh, come on, this fucking guy again. Um, I was kind of a little negative toward uh but once the the whole purpose of the scene come into view um i I appreciate that it's there yeah Uh uh-huh uh back at shiro's battle uh kyrie is gaining the gaining the upper hand shiro's body may may mostly be swords now but kyrie is a far more experienced fighter shiro is eventually knocked down and kyrie approaches him to crush his skull Suddenly, memories of Sakura flash through Shiro's mind. He tells himself that he can't lose. Kirie doesn't even have a goal. But Shiro does. He has a reason to live and to win. He has Sakura. Uh, fueled by the power of love, Shiro gets up and beats the absolute tar of Kirie. Uh-huh. Uh, Kirie eventually blasts Shiro away, but it's too late. His time has run out. And he disappears right after telling Shiro to make his wish to the Grail as the last master, which Shiro does not intend to do. No, no, uh, he does not. Uh, Shiro approaches the Grail and prepares to summon Excalibur, believing that his own destruction is the only way to stop Angra Mainyu's birth. However, 
Ilya's voice interrupts interrupts him, telling that she'll close the gate for him. Uh, this upcoming scene is the one that was really getting me in my in my heartstrings here. Oh, it, it's um, very sad. Oh, it's so sad. Uh, Shiro can no longer remember her name, but he feels he but he feels he has to be the one to do it. Otherwise, she will never she will never return. She asks him if he wants to live. Quote, I have to call her name and stop her, but I want to live. I know she will disappear if I nod, but I want to live from the bottom of my heart. I'm glad to hear that, she, she replies. I want you to live instead of me. Then I'll show you a miracle. It's an application of the magic I showed you earlier, but this one's amazing. This is the sorcery everyone wanted to see after all. Shiro tries to call her name, but only manages to pronounce the A at the end. Quote, I don't need to see it, he thinks. Just come back. But the container's a bit cheap, Ilya continues. I can completely reproduce it using only... Uh, I, I can't completely reproduce it using only my own body, but it's all right. You'll be back in no time if you and Rin keep trying, end quote. She goes to the center... The person in white becomes the sacrifice, just like in the first ritual to close the Great Grail. Goodbye, she says. We, we aren't related by blood, but I'm glad we were siblings. You said an older brother protects his younger sister, right? I'm the older sister, so I have to protect my younger brother. Shiro finally remembers her name and repeatedly cries out for Ilya, but, her voice, uh, but his voice can't reach her anymore. All he can see is light. At the last moment, she turns and shows her smiling face to him, then closes the gate. Uh, I don't have a whole this... lot to say here other than I was very sad reading this, yeah. and I'm very sad thinking about it again. Um, uh-huh. Uh, Ilya, uh, really good character in Heaven's yeah, Field. Yeah, uh, I was about to say, in Heaven's Field specifically. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Il- Ilya, both acknowledging Shiro as her family uh, and wanting to protect and care for him. Um, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm tearing up again. <laughs> yeah, like, damn, th- this ending got me emotional. Um, <clears throat> uh, Ilya acknowledging Shiro as her family and choosing to sacrifice herself to protect him. Um, not to, like, make any wish on the grail or anything like that. Uh, and Shiro letting himself be protected and acknowledging he wants to live as, like, his character growth, despite wanting her to come back, is... It makes me really sad she dies here, and I wish she didn't. Yeah, but, but like, like, this is... I think this is the most... This is the least tragic death to me, honestly, which is weird to say. Of the heroes, I should say. Um, and part of it is like, Ilya, it does not feel like Ilya dies here. Yeah, it doesn't. It feels like Ilya steps forward to something else. Yeah, Ilya is a different existence now. Um, and, and this is almost explicitly like revealed by the normal ending, um, where like, even when Shiro does it himself, Ilya does not come back. Um, yep. Uh, but yeah, like Ilya... Yeah, I mean, she, she said before, like, she, her body literally does not physically have time to live. 
Yeah. Um, it, it's it's too late. It's too late for Ilya now. She has become part of the Grail system, and, and she is she's a different existence now. Um, and what she can do with that is um, give Shiro the second chance now that he like does value his own life and own existence. Um, and it's it's really sweet. Uh, this directly leads into uh, the true end, which we will co- which we will cover first. Um, yes. Shiro uh, also, see- sorry, her dying here makes me like fuck me. I really need that fucking cooking show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ilya deserves to eat good food. Okay. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, Shiro can see the sky now, but he's sinking, and there is no energy left in his body. Ilya's voice reminds him that Rin will save him, and he notices the pendant is still in his hand. He reaches out, and the gentle atmosphere and warm sun hits his skin. We cut to an unspecified time later. Rin has just landed after a long plane flight from London to Japan. She apparently bought the cheapest ticket she could, and it wasn't a pleasant flight. She complains about how someone named uh, Luvia Galita mocked her for her financial financial woes by offering to hire her as a maid. Uh, Not wanting to wait 25 minutes for a bus, Rin decides to walk the rest of the way to her destination instead. She returns to her home and notices that Sakura must have been cleaning it occasionally. She's grateful, but she also hopes that Sakura hasn't been using her home for something strange, since she just saw a bottle of shampoo she doesn't recognize, sitting somewhere that shampoo shouldn't be. Quote, Shampoo goes in the bath. You don't put shampoo in the study, kitchen, entrance, or the yard. It's nothing to worry about, but it's pretty suggestive, end quote. Rin, what do you think they're doing with shampoo? (laughs) Uh, I don't know that she knows. (laughs) I I don't... I got nothing, man. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to think... Of what Rin believes would be some suggestive of shampoo in another place. And it just leads me to the conclusion that... again, Rin doesn't know because, what sex is? Yeah. yeah, yeah, especially because this is not the Illuminated Blade Works route. So Rin uh-huh. doesn't know anything. Uh-huh. Well, we even explicitly established it's not like she's been on many dates with other people. Yeah, yeah, no... Her, her other, like, yeah, we find out in a little bit that her other, that her dating life has not gone well for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, realizing she's been wandering her house for two hours, she dashes, dashes to her door, tries to put on some pumps to show off, gives up, changes back into her normal boots, and then dashes out again. I love her. She's a queen. <laughs> uh, she arrives at Shiro's house and rings the doorbell. Uh, Ryder, who is now wearing normal clothes and glasses and has her hair tied with, tied up with a purple bow, opens the door for her. She tells Rin that Sakura is waiting in her room and Taiga is in the living room. Rin heads to the living room and, and Rin, Ryder goes to get Sakura. For a time, though, they both need to walk down the same hallway and, and Rin begins to think about, in a totally heterosexual way... <laughs> How Ryder was beautiful before, and now looks so even more gay, gorgeous dude. in normal clothes. In fact, she hasn't seen anyone as beautiful as Ryder. She's so gay. <laughs> it's so funny. What the fuck? 
Uh, like, it's not even subtext. No! This has... But, between... Between Rin constantly admiring Saber, and also this. Because, like, Rin almost never talks about Shiro like this. Uh-huh. Never. But, I mean, that was one of the things that made me really appreciate uh, uh, Sakura and Shiro, is, like, there was a physicality to uh, Sakura's attraction to him that, like, is just not present for anybody else. Yeah. It, meanwhile, Rin's, like, girl hot, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, honey, I understand. <laughs> it do be like that. Uh, they, they made, they made Ryder a MILF in the, in the true end. <sighs> Like, you're not wrong. <laughs> I can't say you're wrong. It's just true. But, like... Uh, <sighs> what a move. Um, putting those thoughts aside, she asks Ryder how she's been doing. She says it's been stable compared to two years ago. Rin's departure apparently caused some unease, but things have finally started to settle down recently. Rin asks, you're not drinking blood without telling Sakura, are you? Ryder, who has apparently picked up a sense of humor recently... Uh, replies, there is no need to worry. I will never allow Sakura to know such a thing. <laughs> Rin decides not to press further. Rin's like, I'm not touching that with a 12-foot pole. Yeah. I, I am choosing to... I, I do not see it. It is yeah. fine. I'm just going to pull a Shiro for this one. Uh, before parting to get Sakura, Ryder says she needs to consult Rin and asks if she can make some time for her tonight. Rin suggests waiting until tomorrow night when she'll get back uh, to her house and they can talk in secret. Um, I don't think we ever find out what that's about, do we? Like, that's just... No, that just it I, gets I, dropped in here and then never mentioned again in the ending, I think. I, I thought, they, they, like, it, part of the implication was it was about Shiro, um, but I'm not sure. Oh, possibly. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, is, it is never made explicit one way or the other. Yeah, it's sort of left in the air. Um... Ryder agrees and goes to fetch Sakura. In the living room, Rin chats with Taiga about the archery club. She asks if she's found a guy while she was away in London, but Rin gives an evasive answer. In truth, she's received several proposals already, but every time she goes out on a date, she can't concentrate because she keeps thinking about Shiro. She thinks she might be in love with him. <laughs> yeah, no kidding? Yeah, no shit. Uh, you... That is the case in every route, even the ones that are not about <laughs> Rin's uh -huh. explicitly. Even in Fate. Um, at this moment, Sakura uh. arrives, and the two of them chat for an hour about everything that's happened in the past year. Rin offers to write a letter of introduction if Sakura wants to come uh, to her university, but Sakura declines. She says there's things she needs to do in Fuyuki. Realizing that she's kind of a third wheel right now, Taiga heads to the dojo to swing around a shinai for a bit while they all wait for Shiro to arrive. Uh, now that they're uh, alone... Also, uh, uh, this whole time, like, part of the implication... It, it, it feels like uh, Shiro is dead. Like, everything about how they're talking about Shiro feels like it is with the implication of, oh, Shiro is dead, uh, and they're waiting for somebody who will never be coming. Yeah, yeah, I started to get that feeling, too, even though I was like, well... We like, that can't be it, right? <laughs> like, Right, um, obviously it can't be it, but, like, it is definitely what is being implied. Yeah. Um, like, it, it is the bait-and-switch that Nasu is doing. 
now that they're alone, Rin asks how Sakura has been holding up. Uh, she says she's been learning how to manage her guilt instead of letting it crush her. She then mentions she heard that Rin has gotten into a lot of trouble. It all started with the end of the war. Uh, the Magic Association has certain rules about hiding divine mysteries, and the actions of our heroes uh, kind of completely broke them. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. thankfully, the first two objections the association had, uh, the enormous damage the Grail War caused society and the assassination of the Master dispatched by the association, were Kyrie's responsibility. Also, Kyrie kind of did that second one himself, um, so uh -huh. she had an excuse for them. However, she couldn't escape responsibility for activating the Swirl of Origin. A ritual leading to the origin needs to be con conducted under the supervision of the Magic, Magic Association. By their rules, she's a criminal. What truly infuriated them, though, was the fact that they closed the gate. <laughs> yeah, they were... Per like, everything was forgiven if they weren't. Like, th that's the thing. Mages are fucking evil, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Um, if they had left the gate open and it, it had worked everything would have been forgiven. They'd have been like, well, you were really supposed to do it under our supervision, but it worked, so, you know, we're all good. But because they closed it, they wanted to fuck it. They explicitly wanted to kill her. Yeah, uh, she was then put on what she says is basically a kangaroo court uh, mm -hmm. and fully expected to be sentenced to death. However, <laughs> uh, Grandmaster Zellrich, uh, the person uh -huh. who created the gem sword who had been missing, presumably in parallel dimensions for all this time, uh, had returned after a log long absence and ended up saving her life. Uh, he, announced, he announced the carelessness of his apprentice was his responsibility. All charges against her were, were nullified, and in exchange, he would take on three students to be selected from all the, among all the departments of the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Hey, so Rin is now uh, the second sorcerer's apprentice. Cool. Yeah, Zelric or, or, from what from what we get of him kind of rules. Zelric, well, like uh, she explicitly is like, oh, hey, this mage is like explicitly a warm-hearted guy who like is here because he doesn't want her to get hurt. Yeah, and like, uh, oh, hey, weird how the people or the only people who have achieved uh, uh, actual sorcery, the things that are actual miracles are people who are caring and loving and care for other people. Yeah. Um, after... It... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, every iteration we've seen of sorcery has only existed in the context of, like, a care and love for other people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the trial, um, he approached Rin and spoke to her in private, private, praising her for her talents. He then encouraged her to use the people of the association. Quote, it's a stiff, conservative place, but they have the tools, he says. Um, she knows he's right. During her battle with Sakura, she developed an understanding of the blueprint of the gem sword, and knows that with enough time and resources, she can create it herself. Uh, as a result... Just straight up can be a sorcerer. She is, like, 20 years away from being a sorcerer. Yeah. Max. Uh, as a result, she decided to study at the clock tower and handed her role as supervisor of Fuyuki to Sakura. Thankfully, Shiro is still safe from Magi scrutiny, partly because Kyrie, some time before he died, apparently, uh, reported that Shiro was just an ordinary person who got himself killed by getting involved. Sakura and Rin are the only two who know about him. Suddenly, Shiro uh, arrives home, his hands full of groceries. 
Um, it was probably when uh, uh, Lancer stabbed him. Oh, when who stabbed him? When Lancer stabbed Shiro on oh, day three or whatever. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. So it happened that early. All right, that makes sense. That 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 would be my guess at least. That yeah. that is when it would have made the most sense. I could see that. Um, because that, that that or he it's either that or he did it right before uh he died. Because then it would hold true for like death. all the roots, which would help explain why he got got ignored for like all three endings. Yeah. So. I can see that. Um, I I actually cracked up at Shiro's character model here because yeah, he looks a little it's off, so and it turns weird. out it's intentional. Uh huh. Like it's also just weird to see Shiro. Yeah, yeah, because like you almost never see his his art, but also his shoulders look just a little too broad. He he looks yeah. He looks his kind shoulders of, look a little too broad. His head is a little too short. He's he looks a little. His stance looks a little wooden. Um. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> uh, they both greedy. Uh, Shiro and Rin greet each other awkwardly, and Sakura laughs at them both for being so nervous. Uh, after they briefly teach each other about neither of them changing much, uh, Shiro heads to the kitchen to make dinner. Rin thinks back to how they found him after the battle. His body had been destroyed, and his magic circuit was broken to pieces. It was a death even the Holy Grail couldn't reverse. Instead, Ilya used the third sorcery to revive his soul and give him a body free of wounds. However, the container she chose wasn't perfect. The Shiro that Ryder found was just a bit different from the one they, that they knew. However, they eventually reasoned that the body in front of them is being remotely controlled by the soul. They ended up selling the books in the Mateau house and bought a body left by a famous puppet maker. Uh... And basically helped transfer, basically helped like uh, transfer Shiro's control of his the body uh, Ilya made into this new puppet body. Yeah, uh, the implication here is that like the presence of the soul operating the puppet body uh, forces the body to take the shape of the soul, like in the same way that like uh, Mato's uh, uh, soul forced the worms to take uh, the shape of his body because that's. That is what his uh, soul remembers his body being like. Uh, Shiro's soul forces the puppet to be a flesh and blood body. Like, it explicitly says he can get surgery, he can get sick, he can take off medicine. He's a person with, like, a regular body. It's just that regular body comes from a puppet. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's like a servant that can operate without a master. Uh, However, the body they found for him is used goods. Rin tried to find a better option to replace his current form, but she didn't have any luck. Um, and she mentions that the person she tried to, like, get a new body from has apparently been, like, is being sanctioned by the Magic Association, is on the run, and Rin's like, oh, it's gonna be a pain in the ass to find this person. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, Sakura says that Shiro insists he's fine as he is, though. Magical energy doesn't flow well, but everything else is better than before. Sakura sheepishly adds that she feels the same way. Rin asks why she's getting embarrassed. Uh, Sakura says she thinks they might be doing it too much, and everything clicks into place for Rin. Uh, Though Sakura's contract is broken... (laughs) This is so funny. Uh, Though Sakura's contract is broken, she's still a holy grail, which means she's still connected to the other side. 
Vast amounts of magical energy collect in her body. She can use some of it for Ryder, but that still leaves excess, so she must be giving the surplus to Shiro. Uh, meaning, of course, that they Sakura is just fucking the shit out of Shiro just every day. Good for her! <laughs> it's a very uh, funny joke. Well, it's also like an interesting shift in their dynamic. Yeah, it's a um, reversal from what we typically see as like Shiro being the provider of magical energy. Well, also like uh, uh, Shiro is uh, no longer the provider of magical energy, but like there is still kind of an implication of her as an initiator of like sexual desire there. Yeah. Um, which like. Even though that dynamic has changed, or the dynamic of who is providing who with energy has changed, like, that specific aspect of the dynamic hasn't changed, which I think is interesting, and, like, appreciate it. Yeah. It it makes me appreciate their previous dynamic more, because it doesn't immediately frame uh, um, Sakura's desire for Shiro as, like, solely... A result uh, of abuse, or... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, It is, like, just a part of her. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good detail to add. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Shiro's current body has a very weak magic circuit, so he would return to how he was before without her help. Um, which I believe the implication is, like, he'd just be, like, he'd just go back to the container that Ilya made for him originally, if he wasn't surprised enough. If not uh, fully degrade. Yeah. Um. She, uh, I think everybody's like, we're just not going to take that gamble. We're just going to, just going to keep things up as best we can. Yep. Um, uh, Rin, Rin briefly con- uh, considers their money trouble and realizes that hey, all four of them—Rin, Sakura, Shiro, Ryder—are uh, extremely talented. They won a Grail War, <laughs> technically. Uh, not just they won a Grail War; they're also like. Just three of the fundamentally most powerful mages, like, around. Like, you have Rin, who is just fucked up good at being a wizard. You have Sakura, who has access to an effectively infinite source of energy, and a fucking servant as a regular familiar, with a power source to match. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then Shiro, who will eventually be able to just use his reality marble and actually make it his. Yeah, like, they're... They're badasses. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, oh, hey, th- ain't nobody can fuck with them. Yeah, and Rin realizes that and is like, wait, if we entered into a tournament, we can easily <laughs> win the prize money and become, insta- so and become instantly rich. And then we could just buy Shiro whatever body we, we want, and then also we'd never have to worry <laughs> about money ever again. She's so fucking stupid. I love Lynn and, so much. That, but then, just, I, I imagine her getting like Mr. Krabs dollar signs in her eyes. Yeah, I can monetize this. Um, but just as soon as she thinks about it, she realizes, wait, no, that that is a reckless idea. I should not do that. Slow and steady is the better option. Just put it out of my mind. Um. She does, however, want to make the most of her vacation. Uh, despite Shiro's protests, she barges into the kitchen to show him the cookies, cooking skills she learned while she was in London. Uh, before she puts on her apron, she turns to her sister, uh, and we get the catharsis we have all been waiting for. 
and she asks, Are you happy, Sakura? Uh, Sakura answers yes with a full smile on her face. To Rin, this made the trip worthwhile. Later during her vacation, the four of them, Rin, Sakura, Shiro, and Ryder, head to a park to view the cherry blossoms. I, I do think it is important to notice that, like, Shiro's not in the room for the smile. Yeah. Like, she, it, like, it, again, Nasu has the subtlety of a brick. Uh, <laughs> Sakura is smiling with people who aren't Shiro. It turns out time and care and effort can help people recover after trauma. This is, a, yeah, um, and this is a really good ending. This ending is fucking great. This is the I ending. I am so surprised. This is, like... <laughs> Again, this is like playing this game. Like before I played the game, I had a vague idea of what at least the true ending and uh, quote unquote uh, good ending for Unlimited Blade Works were. And that Nasu was like kind of prickly about which is which and that fans were pissy about that. And I was like, that seems like kind of a weird thing to be kind of specific about and kind of i can get why fans are uh frustrated uh and now i'm like no fuck y'all no it, it is thematically very important which one is the true ending and it is important that this one is the true ending for heaven's feel yeah um also like i i kind of consider this to be like th- the ending for fate stay night um not yes. just because mm-hmm. it's the last one but also because like it is the only truly good ending <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, they have es- where they have escaped the cycle of abuse and formed their own future together. Because um, like it, e- Sunny Day is Rin, a compromise. It, this su- is not well. Sunny Day is a a compromise, and b it is them enmeshed in the system of Magecraft yeah. in like an indelible way. Like they they are explicitly like going to be mages in Mage society. Whereas, like, even in this one, Zelretch shows up, a dude who just is not a part of mage society, and is like, ah, fuck, well, I guess you're gonna be a sorcerer, uh, go ahead and use the mages, with, like, the implication being, oh, you're not actually gonna be, like, yeah, they, a part of the mage association. Yeah, like, Rin is going to use this association as a tool to, like, become something much more and better than them. Right, like... There is an implication and an understanding here that, like, there is a path forward for happiness for them and for them to help other people achieve that same happiness. Yeah, it's... It, it is it is a very good ending. I like it a lot. And Ryder and gets to stick around, too. Ryder gets to stick around. It makes me so happy. Um... That's why the fact that, like, you can only get normal end 2 after getting the true end, and also last episode after getting the true end, is so fucking weird. Yeah, so before we get into this, like, I was... I was skeptical about why the normal end even existed. Um, it seemed uh-huh. almost unnecessary. Um, but sort of after... Like, it'll become clear, but... When we... When I do the summary, but... After going through it, I realized, like, doing, having this ending in the game, um, serves as a more effective condemnation of Shiro's tendency to devalue his own life and own worth more than anything else in the game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if Shiro, like, after completing the game once, getting the true ending, there's two ways you can get the normal ending. The The way we mentioned before is if he doesn't trust Ryder and uses a projection when he can't afford to. The other option is if Shiro just ignores Ilya um, and chooses to uh, use a projection to and chooses to project Excalibur anyway, you will also get this this ending. Um, uh-huh. So as soon as Shiro projects Excalibur, in that moment, Amiya Shiro dies and becomes a machine that simply swings a sword. The Great Grail is destroyed, the scene fades, and we open on Sakura waking in Shiro's bedroom. However, Shiro is not here. Sakura's memory uh, appears to have been reset to the time they made love right after he lost his left arm. She gets a brief flash of her, her memories of the final day, but she pushes them aside, believing them to simply be a nightmare. Uh, she looks through the house, finally feeling unburdened, but she can't find Shiro anywhere. The house is completely empty. She's alone here. Entering the shed to find no one there, she's forced to accept that he destroyed himself to save everyone. All she can do is co- all she can do is cry. We cut to the spring. The magic association has been appeased, and Rin offers to have Sakura stay at her house. However, Sakura believes that staying at the Emiya house will help force her to grow up, so she declines. As Rin leaves, Sakura notices a pink flower petal fluttering through the air. She reasons it must have, been cu- uh, must have gotten caught in Rin's hair on her way to visit. We cut to the spring of the next year. Sakura has sold her mansion and will be using the money to maintain the Emiya household. She asks Taiga's father to give her the right to the land. Before leaving the house in her care, Taiga tells Sakura she's glad to know how much she liked him, but Shiro isn't going to come back. Sakura shakes her head and Taiga leaves. Completely alone, she thinks about what she's done, and she still doesn't know how she can atone. She can't think of anything she can do for others, so instead she will do something for herself. She will grow one flower every year until the promised day when Shiro will return. It's the next spring. She's getting used to being alone, and it's getting fun to be with others, but her new life is still scary. She thinks back to to Shiro's promise, and how selfish it was for him to say whatever he wants but not actually protect her. She'll forgive him anyway, though. Many more springs pass. Um, The way this is presented in the game is the... uh, is Sakura saying, it's spring, it's spring, it's spring, it's spring, over and over With different flowers showing up in the background. Yeah. uh, In the same room. Uh, No one comes, but she's not sad, because she has certainty. She believes she will be compensated for all her pains. But she has one worry. Quote, you're late, senpai. I'm going to get old at this rate. She She says this out loud to an empty house. She hopes she can remain healthy until this, until that day arrives. It's now a new spring, much farther in the future. Sakura has a student now, the Tosaka's new heir. Sakura tells her stories of the old days, um, implying that she's sort of turned 
the events of Fate Stay Night into uh, like a, a tale, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, quote, the sun's war. I'm actually just, yeah, I'm going to just quote like the final lines of this uh, verbatim. Mm-hmm. The sun's warm and time passes by gently and sometimes like torture. I keep planting seeds for the promised day. Flowers of redemption. I'll wait for spring here until I'm absolved. And it's spring again. The years are as long as a blink of an eye. I close my eyes and open them. The hill is covered with cherry cherry blossoms. The boy, appearing just like he was before, is waving his hand on the familiar hill road. And that's how that ends. Yep. Uh, It is the most brutal ending uh, in the game. Um, Far more tragic than even the the fate ending. Um, And just a a, a a direct rebuke of like Shiro's consistent belief that his life does not matter and that what would give his life meaning is being able to sacrifice it for others. And seeing that, like, Sakura's life is made demonstrably worse and less miserable, and more miserable by his absence. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in a, like, not in a way that uh, Sakura needs this man to be a full person, um, because that is certainly a trap that one can fall into in, in these sort of romance tales but rather in a sense in a sense in almost like a um it's a wonderful life scenario where we are seeing an alternate reality where Sh- shiro isn't around anymore and we're seeing like no you do matter to people your life matters you are not just someone who is uh, a tool to be used to um, fight for people or, or to like die for people. Um, You have a worth that cannot be measured. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's now I'm crying. Uh, It's really powerful. Yeah. (laughs) It it is very, very good. And it is also like making very apparent, um, the truth in what it's saying about like the hard option is to live and move forward and care for people and like that is also the best option you can pick that is that is the best way you can care for people dying doesn't do anything to help the people around you the thing you can do is take care of them the the thing you can do is live and move forward and care for the people you love yeah uh instead of just burning out and sacrificing yourself for no reason yeah or or even for a reason like even for a reason like their life is still lesser without you in it you are a meaningful person who is valuable and worth being around and so like choosing to disappear over being their life and do that work is choosing to make their life less bright because of it yeah um I'm so glad that this ending is in here uh, because it communicates that so beautifully. Um, yeah, it, it's very good. Uh, one other thing I think that is interesting about this ending is that um, whenever you complete an ending in 
this game, the the title screen changes, the art. Um, mm-hmm. When you go through this ending, Cherry Blossom's Dream, um, uh, the title screen changes to show the desolate wasteland of Archer's Reality Marble Unlimited Plate Works. Uh, in case you didn't get that, like, Unlimited Blade Works is bad. Like, explicitly bad. <laughs> that yeah, nothing uh-huh. good can come from it. <laughs> it's so weird. This desolate wasteland where he is alone on a f- mountain of swords. I wonder if that is, like, probably bad and tragic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, because this is Rialta Nua... Um, we get last episode, which we talked about a bit during our fate episode, uh, at the end of our fate, um, episode, I believe. Um, but it's, it's worth talking about again we, here. Um, yeah, we briefly mentioned it in an overview. I think it is worth talking about in specific. Yeah. Oh. So this, uh, this, this, this particular ending explicitly takes place um far for like in the future of the fate root epilogue um yes. not only because it doesn't make sense for the other ones but also because like it's straight up just like it goes through and summarizes the entire fate storyline just in case you forgot and only that storyline so it's it it is explicitly an ending for the fate route. yeah um it it takes place in Shiro's final years like um, it's implied that he is nearing his death, uh, and, like, something makes him think of Excalibur, um, and the memories of Saber that he has kind of, like, put out of his mind for all these mm-hmm. years, uh, and they all start rushing back to him. And yep. that's where we get, like, the clip show basically the clip show yeah uh, 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 i was literally about to say the clip show yeah it's just straight up a clip show um and at the end of the clip show we get a um scene with saber and merlin um apparently at the end of fate saber uh was basically shunted back to a much earlier point in her own timeline mm-hmm. um with the knowledge of everything that happened in, in the fate route uh, and she talks to Merlin about it because, like, Merlin's the only one who will understand. <laughs> uh, and talks about how she desperately wants to see Shiro again. And Merlin says, that's gonna be difficult because you two exist in totally separate time frames. Um, in order for her to meet Shiro again without any outside help, it would require two miracles. Uh, for one to keep waiting and one to keep pursuing all this time. So, like, she would have to wait the fucking 2,000 years it would take for... Or, not 2,000 years. Uh, uh, probably close many to years. I don't remember exactly when King Arthur was suppo- supposed to have lived in the myths, but a long, long-ass time. <laughs> I want to say 700, but I might be super wrong. Uh, 500, 700 sounds close enough. More than 1,000 years. <laughs> Um, and Shiro would have to keep pursuing her his entire life. Um, which is a lot. Yeah, um, 
And, like, Merlin, Merlin explicitly says uh, it is a terribly long time. Um, mm-hmm. That this will not... This will kind of be a miserable, like, time for both of them until they eventually meet up again. Uh, and, and it is. Like, Saber... Uh, Saber goes through her her same life, makes the same choices to become a king, uh, become a tool of Britain, basically. Uh, And she uh, suppresses her humanity um, just like she has done before to be a king. Uh, And Shiro also becomes a machine um, after the end of Fate, uh, where he... He technically lives his life, um, and he lives a long one, but he lives it free of, um, like, he doesn't engage in the the typical happiness and emotions that one would hope for him. Um, he suppresses those. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, he is explicitly described as a mechanical, a, a tin man, uh, I think is the exact phrase they use for him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, eventually Merlin is right. Like, after enough time, uh, they do meet again in Avalon. Uh, but also, like, man, they, they sacrificed their lives as humans to, to obtain this. Like, uh, Even Avalon isn't, like, really a heaven for, uh, it, for Arthur, uh, or Arturia, I guess, in this case. Like, uh, Avalon is explicitly the waiting place King Arthur goes to, uh, where his death is arrested, uh, to wait for a time when, uh, England or, uh, when there is the desire for the true king to return. Like, she is there waiting. It, it, it explicitly is like, she is there waiting, even if for them to want her to return, even if it is a world that no longer wants a king, uh, because like that is what she does. Yeah, um, it's a weird, weird ending to uh, to put as something that you can only get once you're done with the game. That by the structure of the game has to be after Heaven's Field. I desperately wish this was the actual ending to Fate. Yeah. Uh, Both because... I also wish, uh, like, uh, Fate had been a little more restructured to make this work better. Yeah. But also, yeah. yes, this this is the ending that Fate should have had. Well, the reason I want it to be, like, the actual ending to Fate is... Uh, it does a couple of things that I actually like. Uh, like, I was, like, kind of dismissive of it at first as, like, fan service, and then I realized that was being kind of unfair. Um... Thank you. So it does a couple of things. <laughs> I mean, I, it is fan service, yeah. but like, not in a bad way. It, it is satisfying this desire of letting these two people. It, it is first and foremost doing this thing where it makes it clear, like, chasing these ideals is not evil in and of itself necessarily and like there is still a desire for these people who placed an ideal over individual people over people as a real thing for them to still be rewarded but like yeah that it makes like, it clear that the they are still do that, happiness it's just an arrested happiness because of the choices they made 
Well, even their happiness is something that can only come after death. Like, yeah. there is no hope of building uh, uh, the utopia, the kingdom of heaven that uh, Azokin wanted to build uh, on Earth for them. Like, that that's just not an option they get. Um, and, like, it, there is something to be said to make that a little less hard a pill to swallow um while still highlighting like yeah that's not actually like making the world necessarily better in the way heaven's field talks about making the world better like heaven's feels explicitly there is a hope for the future of moving forward to a utopia of people caring for one another um and that's not here that's just these two individual people eventually reach a place where they've hacked the world to let them be happy despite what they shouldn't ever have been but also, it makes it clear, uh, A, that the ending Shiro has in uh, Fate is one that leads to just his complete dehumanization during his life. Yeah. Just, it is a fucking tragedy. Um, but also makes it clear uh, from the jump of Unlimited Blade Works that the supposition that Archer makes that if, uh, that if Shiro leads his life, he will end up... Uh, tragic and uh needs to be put down because of it uh is inherently a false one like shiro leads what is very similar to uh, archer's life in unlimited blade works pretty explicitly um but he doesn't end up on the throne of heroes yeah he, he goes to avalon yeah he does not become so obsessed with his ideal that he is willing to give his soul to the earth to like the will of the earth itself to keep doing it like he just yeah. lives a normal ass human life and that and then at the end he just dies he's just willing to accept that his mortality and that he's and that he's not going to become like some sort of mega superhero yeah and, and he is granted access to avalon um and whether that's because merlin did some bullshit or because he was a hero enough that like he is rewarded with entry or what have you it's not made clear but like uh, unlimited blade works archer makes an assumption that is not true yeah and having that from the jump in unlimited blade works i think would help unlimited blade works a lot um because we know in that case like we're not left with that doubt at the end the end of unlimited blade works of like oh god is he going to end up like that anyways that's so fucking upsettingly tragic um, and like it's still an option at the end of Unlimited Blade Works, but yeah, with last episode, it leads me to believe no, he won't. He'll he'll end up similar, but uh, he probably won't become a counter guardian. Yeah, he probably won't be stuck in an ang- endless cycle of death and rebirth he can't escape from. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is weird to have this bittersweet as fuck ending um, after the really beautiful ending of. Um, uh, yeah, at the end of a Heaven's miracle, Field. which is the true end of Heaven's Feel. Uh, I do really love the epitaph at the ending, uh, which is warm blessings to we who are not rewarded and we who are still on our way. Our travels continue on. Because um, that just kind of fucking hurts my heart. It, it's a good epitaph to end on. Yeah, I I really love the concept of last episode. It's just poorly implemented. Um, yeah, it's, it's positioning feels wrong. Yeah. Also, like, just fate as a route itself just kind of needed, like, more than any other route, needed a reworking to, like, 
make me believe that Shiro and Saber are soulmates in this way. It really does. Like, uh, it, it, Rin, and, Rin and Shiro at least have some chemistry, and so, like, it doesn't super work for me, but I buy it at least. But, like, it's just no chemistry at all in Fate, and it's so, so frustrating. Yeah, so much of the Fate route is spent with Shiro being incredibly patronizing to Saber, and Saber being frustrated that he, like, just won't take her ser- take her feelings seriously. Um, Their whole relationship is both incredibly chaste and also incredibly lacking in any, like, intimacy in any real way. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, to, to make this work, first of all, like, last episode has to go at, like, right at the end of the... the the original epilogue of fate like have that epilogue then just go straight into the last episode obviously without the clip show because you don't fucking need it because you just played fate um, yes uh and also like you need to just make fate a better route <laughs> not like a happier route but a but like a, a route that supports this ending more in the context of heaven's feel i am so okay with uh uh fate ending the way it does because like there is an intentionality there even if it's fucking miserable but like it needs so much more work yeah um yeah it's 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 it feels like almost an feels like almost an apology for how the fate route ended in the original version of fate stay night because like rialta nua is um is like is the updated release like with the voice acting added um and like the anime cut scenes as well uh so it's almost like look here's here's something for the saber fans we're sorry (laughs) um and like i appreciate Um. it I appreciate the effort, but you kind of goofed it on the execution. Yeah. Also, like, it's just so weird in that it makes explicit, like, the tragedy of Shiro's existence in a way that was only hinted at. And, like, that's so weird for fan service to do. Yeah. Also, to be... The biggest irony of all is that because this ending comes at the end of Heaven's Feel... Like, by the point I got this ending, I had been fully converted into a, no, Shiro and Sakura <laughs> yeah. for life, Rin and Saber, those are the pairings. So, like, I, I don't even really care much about Shiro and Saber anymore. Like, whatever. I mean, who cares? Like, <laughs> it, I, the game just doesn't sell it. Yeah. Especially considering the best route is the one where Saber is, A, not in it for 60% of it and B uh, is killed as like a metaphorical example of Shiro killing the last of his ideals and moving forward with a uh, ideology of mutual care beyond being a superhero. Yeah. So like, so weird. It's so weird. (laughs) Um, yeah. Fuck. Hey, we finished fate stay night. We sure did. It only took us like a year. Oh, It took a while. Yeah, it took a while. Um, so, um, well, not not a what year. A... It was we started this in, in like April, I think. Okay. So, so like six, six months. months. Happy year. Yeah, happy year. 
Um, so, so um, what what do you think? I liked it far more than I thought I would. <laughs> like even I, I even it, as yeah. a fan of Fate, I was impressed. I, I was very much coming to this not a fan of Fate, um, and I liked this way more than I thought I would for way different reasons than I thought I would. Um, one thing I kind of really expected from Nasu was this expectation of over-explaining magic and sci-fi and not letting work rest. Like, everything being, like, that the Star Trek explanation of, like, it's like filling a balloon with too much air and it pops. Yeah. Like, good. the kind of shit where he does where he over-mechanizes magic sometimes and adds proper nouns where the mechanization doesn't quite work. Um, but that stuff is actually way more measured than I expected it to be. Um, yeah, it doesn't come up and, that often, especially as you get further into the visual novel. Well, in the spaces where it comes up, too, there's often, like, an intention behind the way it's used, either for uh, a lighting, um, like, yeah, yeah, man, just, it fucking works. Don't worry about it. That's not the important part of this scene. Yeah. Or uh, uh, to add... Uh, some mystique and awe to something like they don't explain what uh, uh really what Ilya does to shiro like yeah no beyond yeah she uses the third magic it, it is a literal miracle that shiro is alive he is saved by a miracle and it's not like um but it's not like oh an act of god it's it's a miracle that's bought and paid for like you know the how isn't the important part here it is Ilya sacrificing herself and Shiro being in a literal puppet body that now he has an opportunity to find a way out of and a way to become a real boy. Like the metaphor is not subtle. Yeah. It's, it's the thing it is on the face, but like the important part isn't the mechanics. It is that the metaphor is there. Um, and that is a, a very pleasant surprise. It, the whole work is just a very sincere and emotional story about really specific things. And I, I also wasn't expecting that specificity. Yeah. Um, I, I also am surprised by, like... Again, for a lot of the... For a lot of people who came to the Fate fandom... Or at least it feels like a lot of people who came to the Fate fandom in in ways that are outside the original visual novel, Sakura plays a fairly minor role. Um, she is very much pushed to the side um, in favor of uh, yeah. other characters, uh, particularly Rin, Saber, um, and Shiro. Uh, and I don't see anyone talk about Sakura, and I fundamentally don't understand how. Uh, yeah, and like by the end, by the end of this game, Sakura was one of my favorite characters. She's fantastic. So, Sakura. Well, not only is Sakura one of my favorite characters in the game, but like Sakura is what makes the game work. Yeah, like, Sakura is who the game is about. Yeah, the the whole point of the game is Heaven's Feel. Like. <laughs> Heaven's Feel is about how the Rin and Saber roots are fucked up, and the reason Sunny Day is not really a good end is because it is premised upon the horror of Sakura becoming effectively a second Angra Mainu, of being a sacrifice that people avert their eyes from. Yeah. 
Like, I, I don't understand how you don't talk about Sakura in the context of this game, because everything in this game rests on Sakura's back. It, it is about Sakura. Yeah. And that's baffling, considering she doesn't exist in the first two routes. Yeah, it, it took until 2017 to for Heaven's Field to get an adaptation. That is baffling. Yeah, until just four years ago. And keep in mind, the original Fate Stay Night came out in... Uh, let me just double check here. But it, was, it was a while ago. 99? 2000? Um, 2004. Um, oh, okay. That's later than I thought. Yeah. So, 13 years. Um, for 13 years... Uh, there was no proper, like, way to experience Heaven's Feel outside of just reading the visual novel. Which, like, understandably not a ton of people are going to do. Because it is yeah. a very big time sink. Uh, and also the first two routes Also you have to read not... two fucking miserable routes to get <laughs> the there. The first two routes have some great stuff in them, but overall they are not great. <laughs> like... Yeah, I, so, so I think that's one of the other things. Uh, I, I think my opinion on... Oh, sorry, continue. Yeah, I, so I was just going to say, so, like, it is totally understandable, like, why Heaven's Feel felt like it was so ignored um, when it was, when it was, like, when, when that barrier was in front of people to actually experience it. Especially since to even, like, read the visual novel, you have to download a fan translation off of some corner of the internet that you just have to find. Because Type Moon has never once released any of their, like, visual novels in English, officially. So so my understanding of that is because Nasu is incredibly particular about translation. Yeah. Um, and if he does that, he wants to do it in-house, and he doesn't have time to do it in-house because he's busy making infinite fate shit um which after reading fate stay night makes sense to me actually like for something this specific and something that is about this uh choppy a subject and is built so heavily on like compassion and care uh, in especially in Heaven's Feel, like going, no, 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 I want to do this right if I'm going to do this, or I want to not do it at all, makes sense to me. Yeah, like I, I can understand why he'd be that way, but also fuck off, Nasu, <laughs> give, give me an official translation, especially of the new Sukihime that just released. You asshole. <laughs> I know the new Sukihime is so funny and also to me because it's just like extra, oh we're just never getting that fate extra CCC Nasu I swear to God I'm gonna strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fate is a series designed specifically to spite you. <laughs> the scene, um, the the game where you canonically gay marry your servant. Uh huh. Is yeah, Nero specifically. I swear to God. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I am surprised about is how much Heaven's Feel changed my tolerance for Fate and Unlimited Blade Works now that they're in the review. 
Yeah, because you you kind of remember like the pause. You you kind of look back at them like, oh yeah, I can I can see like the things that tie into heavens feel like why these things were made. You remember all the good yeah. character moments, and you kind of just like, eh. like yeah, look, sure there was the Rin sex scene that sucked. Also, like yeah, Archer. Also, both saber sex scenes. <laughs> also, Archer was just. A terrible, just a miserable experience. Miserable character in Limited Blade Works. Yeah, sure, but also, yeah, you kind of, you kind of go through a uh, look at them through rose-tinted glasses because of like how Heaven's Feel elevates the concept that came before. Uh, so it's not even just rose-tinted glasses, um, because I do think they suck shit still. Yeah, yeah, I, like, rose-tinted glasses I, I, was, I, I, was the I wrong do think phrasing because we do both acknowledge that they're that they're not good. <laughs> yeah, I do think they both suck shit still, and I have no desire to ever, ever touch them again. Um, uh, I will maybe watch like, some Unlimited Blade Works fight scenes on YouTube, but yeah. that's uh, We'll see. <laughs> Even that might be a lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, their existence is something I appreciate having already read, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I've already done the work and like, they suck shit and are miserable, but like, at least a portion of them sucking shit and being miserable feels intentional in the context of Heaven's Feel. Um, in that like, yeah, Archer being a miserable sack of shit and Shiro being a miserable sack of shit feels more purposeful now that we have an example where he isn't. And the reason he isn't is because of a shift in ideals that is made explicit and expanded on and iterated on in heaven's feel. Yeah. Um, and like, while I don't think that the structure necessarily works great for making a pleasant reading experience for a thematic and resonant one, I do think it's still pretty effective. And like, it makes sense to me why fate resonated so heavily with people. I, I don't get everyone's fixation on Rin and Saber. I, I, I fundamentally don't understand it beyond, like, did we just read different works? Oh, you mean just on them, or, like, to the exclusion? Uh, uh, yeah, just on okay, them. Okay, yeah. Like, to, to just on them to the exclusion of Sakura, like, her barely being present whenever anybody is losing their mind over... Like, I, I don't get it. Is it is it just that Rin is a Sundere, it, and Saber is? I I I don't an empty vessel to project upon. I don't know. I, yeah, I honestly can't tell you either because like I feel like my tastes also tend to run, if not counter, then like tangential to, um the broad the broader like Fate Stay Night otaku culture, um. Which we will see, which you'll see come up in 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 a few different ways as we go. Oh, through I'm, this, I'm but, gonna want to murder Fate Stay Night Otaku culture. Uh, I'm certain. But of it. but especially I, but especially like with Fate Extra Last Encore, a show I loved and think is one of the best Fate storylines that like the the wider fandom hated. That yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so. Um, it, it is a very you move to love a thing that everyone else hates. <laughs> so I, I can't, I can't rightly 
say like why that obsession happened like I, I would probably argue that the most likely cause for it is the is the first is the first few anime adaptations um yeah. i'm not exactly sure how much of a role sakura plays in the dean adaptation we will find out because you know spoiler alert we will be covering that for our next episode um because it is it's not it it, it is a, a it is supposedly a, a like a dean trying to com, trying to like amalgamate all of fate stay night into a single I, 24 episode i don't know TV how you do series that. which feels like an impossible task I mean, it feels like fate just fundamentally doesn't function if you try and do that. Like, yeah. These roots are different roots intentionally. Yeah, like, um, UFO Table, in order to, like, properly adapt Unlimited Blade Works. And UFO Table did a fantastic job, I, I think, adapting, being very faithful to Unlimited Blade Works and adapting it as well yeah. as pretty much anyone could. And it took them 26 episodes just to do that. Uh, and three entire films for for Heaven's Feel. So like trying to trying to like condense what Fate Stay Night is into a single twenty four episode series is just madness. Uh, that, yeah, I, I wonder if part of it too. But is also like, like I, I I also think part of it is like Rin and Saber get to do cool magic fight shit. Sakura for, yeah. for the most part doesn't. Um, she does summon giant shadow golems. She does do that. True. Um, um, I I wonder if part of it too is like Sakura's root is a lot more emotionally complicated and fraught in a way that Rin and Sabers don't. It isn't necessarily, and that makes it hard to like project on Sakura outside of that context. Possibly, like. It is easy to bring Rin's character out of uh, Unlimited Blade Works or really any Fate Root um, and, like, have her be recognizably Rin. Yeah. But, like, Sakura's story is... That will happen is... in Fate Grand Order. Huh? <laughs> Whereas Sakura's story is, like, A, both fundamentally complete in Heaven's Feel and B, is also reliant on Heaven's Feel for the context because so much of it is about her circumstances and her place in the world. And so, like, it makes it harder on her to fi- er, harder to fixate her on her outside of that context because it is all about that context. Like, so- Sakura outside of Heaven's Feel isn't. I mean, it's not she isn't Sakura, but like, the story's not about her in the same way. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um. As we go further, Fuck, man, Heaven's feels good. Yeah, it really is. Um, I'm gonna get so mad at every fucking game for not being <laughs> Fate Stay Night now, huh? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. Um, uh, I, I I think I'm gonna like Hollow Hollow Ataraxia. Yeah i I am very excited for Hollow Ataraxia. Same. I cannot I, I am wait. So excited to see where they go after the end of Heaven's Feel. Yeah. To see what this looks like moving forward. Um, I am withholding judgment um, 
and also expectations from things beyond Hollow Ataraxia. Yeah. Is what I'll say. Yeah, because, like, outside of, like, Fate Zero, Fate Hollow Ataraxia, and Fate Stay Night are, like, those are in, like, one, quote-unquote, continuity. Like, Hollow Ataraxia makes it messy because it doesn't really spin off from it's any time single... It's a right? It, well, more than that, it, like, even the beginning of... Even the... Even the state of the world in Hollow Ataraxia does not spin off cleanly from any one particular ending um, of Fate Stay Night. So even from the jump, continuity is messy. And this will happen multiple times whenever there's like a, a sequel or spinoff in the Fate franchise. Because sure. like Nasu, as, he, as is his right, does not care that much about canon no my man does not give a shit it's great uh uh, uh, canon by my understanding is always internally consistent to the individual work but outside of that like uh, it's fuck it man it's not important yeah like outside of that there's gonna be some messiness because like there's there because like nasu just doesn't want to constrain himself like clearly um yeah, he'll change what he needs to to tell the story he wants to tell. And like, yes. unironically, I respect that. Yeah. Um. Uh. So I I think. Go ahead. Part of what helps make Fate Stay, uh, Stay Night strong too is it doesn't have the strength of a franchise to fall back on. Um. Like th- there's no Fate franchise before Fate Stay. Yeah. Night. This this was the, this was the first in in its particular franchise. Um, right. Like, there like, was Suki Hime before like, it, but, like, that's a totally different thing. And uh, also, like, Kara no Kyokai, I think, also comes before uh, it. Like, just that whole arc. Does it? I'm actually not sure. I think so. Let's... Hold on. Uh, I know there is a um, list of type moon media. I need to figure out... No, that's not the one I want. Uh... Oh, okay. Uh, my friend is telling me that Karakyokai did Karno Kyokai did come out before Fate Stay Night. Yeah, the web novel was ninety eight. Uh, novel form in two thousand four, and then eight animated movies in two thousand seven to two thousand thirteen is what it looks like. Okay, yeah. I suppose I could have just. I'm making this hard on myself. I'm trying to visit the fan wiki. I could have just looked at Wikipedia, and that would probably give me a release date time frame. Eh, you know, or maybe it open. doesn't. Maybe it, maybe even Wikipedia doesn't do that. God damn it! <laughs> Why can't this just be easy? Uh, oh. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, like yeah, even Tsukihime, Karno Kyokai, yeah, those those came out before. But like they're so like you have the recognition of the brand, but even then, that's only for a Japanese audience, and even then, like a, a niche one, like. And you don't have, like, the net of a built-in audience in the same way that Fate does now. Like, yeah. you know if some Fate shit drops, it doesn't matter how dog shit yeah. it is. People will watch Fate it. Fate Grand Order makes billions of dollars. <laughs> like, right. It, it and, is and a like, uh, uh, at this point. People hated Fate Last Encore, but people fucking watched Fate Last Encore. <laughs> they watched every goddamn second of that. Yep. Like... It doesn't matter how bad a fate thing is now. Like, people will watch it because people are invested in fate as a franchise. And this, like, 
doesn't have that safety net. It has to just be the thing it is. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if that helps it, but it helps it be strong in a specific way where it is, uh, it, it is not burdened by the history of the fate franchise to be about anything specific. Uh, and so it can just be the thing it is. Yeah. Um, um did, did you want to talk about uh, final favorite characters now that we're at the end? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot to, uh, like, edit my list. But I can I can probably figure this out um, from the... Oh, hold on a second. My dad is calling me. I need to take this. I'll be right back. Okay. I'll be here. Hello. Uh, sorry. I was recording a podcast. I had my... Which one's that? Okay. Huh. Sure. That, that makes sense. It, it, one of those things that is like demands, no, you need to know everything about this in order for any of these jokes to make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that one of those that came out uh, uh, much later too after like fate had been established as like a, a fandom? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Hiya. Ah, yes, that's that's something we will eventually get to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I can't wait for fucking uh, the cooking show so I can just watch Ilya, Sakura, and uh, Shiro just all be happy and eat. And food. also Lancer, Lancer will be there too. Lancer doesn't have to die. Lancer, Lancer will be there and he'll be so hot and I'll be happy. <laughs> Hell yes. Uh. Where were we? Uh, we were about to do favorite characters. Oh, right, yes. Um, do we need to uh, mark with a clap that you would come back? Or... Uh, no, I'll know it from the silence. I'm good. I, I didn't pause my recording or anything. I just muted okay. myself. Um, yeah, let's see. I have... Do you want me to go first? Uh, so you Yeah, can... go ahead and go first uh, while I, I find my existing list. Okay, uh, so number one, like clean is sakura um for every reason i've iterated on like both like for incredibly personal reasons where like i see a struggle much similar or very similar to mine that i had growing up and like the work having nothing but compassion for her and offering her a route forward and a way to heal is uh really meaningful to me because like of my past um but also, like, just because the work is so good about making her feel real and realized. Um, 
Ilya is second place, uh, because again, she just is like a really enjoyable and sweet character, especially as a parallel to both uh, Shiro and Sakura in Heaven's Feel. Um, Kyrie, because I have, or Kyrie's third, because I have not been able to get uh, the image of him offering fucking Shiro Curry out of my fucking mind since it happened. It is the funniest moment in anything I've read in a long time. <laughs> just it's just so good him sweating from this too hot curry watching shiro looking at him like furious and just be like do you do you want some it, it's just it's so good this fucking alien bastard man <laughs> um fourth place is sakura again because i love her um hey now but if i have to if i have to pick a different fourth place it would probably be probably rin um, she is like a saving grace for Unlimited Blade Works, uh, and there are moments in it that are really enjoyable because of her. Um, and then fifth place is like kind of up in the air. It might be Shiro or a Heaven's Feel Shiro, just for sheer catharsis after uh, the other two Shiros sucked so much shit. <laughs> um, but like even that is like a little begrudging so I'm, beyond that like i'm not quite sure who fifth place would be yeah what's interesting is that um as i was editing my list uh and you were saying yours i realized that like my list had the exact same people except in a different order <laughs> isn't that like exactly where we started out too, where we had the same list just a different order? yeah so number one for me this won't be surprising it is still rin um i she is fantastic in heaven's feel as well uh and rin will be continue to be my favorite character until we eventually get nero who will finally bump her off the top spot um yeah number two sakura um for all the reasons that uh we but specifically sierra has elucidated uh throughout this entire route um Three is Ilya, a character that I desperately wanted to like a lot in the first two roots, and she finally got her due in Heaven's Feel and, like, became something really special. Uh, four is Shiro, uh, who has several, who has many standout moments in uh, Heaven's Feel, as well as, like, one of the coolest action scenes where he faces down Berserker. Yeah, it is sick. Uh, Trayson still has me pop yeah, off. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, and finally, number five is Kyrie, uh, who finally becomes like a really fascinating antagonist uh, in Heaven's Field. Yeah. Um, and also like shockingly funny in a way that I uh-huh. never thought he'd be. Kyrie fucking rules, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, so like amazingly saber is no longer in the top five yeah i mean the work just does her dirty yeah is like the main yeah thing. like i like her in unlimited blade works and heaven's feel she has good moments but ultimately like she is a, she is a side character um 
she function it, she is functionally at best a foil for shiro and a reflection of shiro like yeah there was a reason it, 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 she is a reflection of shiro at his worst yeah at, at the things that bound him and drag him to his doom which is a like which it, is a weird is, thing to think considering saber is like literally the face of the fate franchise yeah <laughs> like, it but i mean like it makes sense when you look at fate just in the context of itself yeah. because it's not an accident that she's King Arthur. Like, the story of King Arthur is a the story of a man who, by force of arms, created a perfect uh, uh, a perfect kingdom, uh, an oasis in a world of chaos. That, by his own actions, by his uh, by his own sins, his lust, his jealousy, his selfishness, his inability to trust. Uh, his inability to be a human um, leads Camelot in part to its doom. Uh, his, his own actions are what caused the creation of Mordred. Uh, he's, he's literally Mordred's father. Uh, his jealousy and uh, uh, is what drives Guinevere away and drives her to find comfort in Lancelot, uh, the man who is the literal perfect knight, um, and who, up until he pushes them to that point, has nothing but a chaste relationship with Guinevere, um, until he literally tries to execute Guinevere, and uh, she and Lancelot are forced to flee to Castle Joyous, where the final battle for uh, uh, Camelot happens, and he has ripped his own kingdom asunder. Uh, and so he is brought to Avalon for when uh, England needs its once and future king again. Like He is the architect of his own destruction, of a world that ends in tragedy. And like... It's not an accident that Arturia is is King Arthur. Like that, that is not a willy nilly choice because King Arthur is popular. Yeah, like, that's the same with like basically an... all the servants. Like there is yeah. there's a reason Berserker is Heracles, uh, who is yes. like the prototypical hero. There is a reason Medusa is Medusa and is paired with Sakura. Like, there's a reason Castor yeah, uh-huh. is Medea. Uh, Medusa with Sakura, it, like, Medusa is a story about uh, both violence towards femininity as well as uh, uh, femininity lashing out because of that violence been done to them, and an inability to reach any form of real intimacy because of that violence that has been done. done. Like, that, that is literally what the story of Medusa is about. Yeah. Uh, Her- Heracles is like a story about a man who is entrapped by madness, who ends up harming the people, uh, uh, especially his children, because of it, and like being given a second chance to care for those children. Like, uh, Cucullin is—I mean, Cucullin is just sort of Cucullin. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out my man was still just on his bullshit in life and in death, uh, <laughs> which I have nothing but respect for. It rules. <laughs> Cucullin rules. Um. But, like, uh, Archer, er, er, Arthur is a story of tragedy, and for her to be a reflection of uh, Shiro is a reflection of the tragedy that inherently waits him if he follows this path. And, like, it, it respects and uh, uh, thinks it is beautiful for Arthur to follow that ideal, but implicit in that ideal is a recognition of it destroying both her and everyone around her. Yeah. Um, and, and so it is baffling that she ends up as, like, the face of this series uh, because of it. Because she is such, like, 
a side character who reflects Shiro's doom. Like, he literally kills her in Heaven's Feel. Yeah. Um, the one last thing I wanted to hit on uh, before we wrap, if you don't have anything no, else, is uh, uh, A, the themes that I had highlighted when we were uh, reading that initial prologue, uh, and the themes that Nasu highlighted uh, in The Three Roots, which is uh, in the fir- er, in Fate, it's oneself as ideal, uh, B, is struggling with oneself as an ideal, and uh, Heaven's Feel is the friction of the real and the ideal. And how, uh, how how do you think those lined up with what we see? I think, like, I think the first one um, for, for Fate makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I'm actually not <laughs> sure about, maybe it's translation, but, like, Nasu, Nasu's third one with the friction with real and ideal. I can kind of see where he's coming from with that. Um, but I, I would say more that it's a friction of the ideal with humanity. Like, what it means to be a human. Um, because the ideal that Nasu is talking about here of, like, Shiro's desire to be a su- superhero who sacrifices himself for everyone else to make everyone else live and be happy um, requires Shiro to abandon his humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is the, is, is the real friction of, like, the friction between being a human and becoming an ideal. Like, you can't be both they're mutually exclusive. Um, I, so for me, I think that Heaven's Feel one uh, hits or works for me in that, like, for me, the friction between the real and the ideal is the recognition uh, is the friction between um, a uh, an ideal with no give, no bend to it, like that ideal that uh, what's bad is bad and what's good is good. Um, and the friction that hits against when you start uh, encountering real people and have to engage with real people and, like, their actual lives. And, like, it, that friction shows up between Shinji and Sakura. Like, wh- why is one of these people worthy of forgiveness and one of these people not? And it's like, well, by Shiro's initial ideal, it, it, neither of them would be. Yeah. Like, both of them are enemies of humanity. But, like, the friction between the real and the ideal is that... Shinji's not worthy of that forgiveness because he crossed that line, and Sakura is worthy of forgiveness because of that context, because of that history, and because of that desire to make reparations. Yeah, I I don't think Nasu is wrong about any of these. I, I, I just might phrase them yeah. differently. Um, I do absolutely agree with him, though, that the main theme is conquering oneself, because that's what all these characters do. It, yeah. is they, they discover like like what it is about them that is holding them back, that is preventing them from becoming, like, a full and realized person. Uh, mm-hmm. And they deal with it. They they conquer their fears and their, um, and their worries and, and their worst impulses. Uh, and they come out the other side as better people. Um, so he is 
100% correct that that is the main yeah. theme. Yeah. Um, um. So, yeah, I, I think that matched up pretty well, honestly, even if I might phrase yeah, that it match- differently. It matched up much better than I thought they were going to after we had finished Fate and Unlimited Blade Works. And again, I, it, it is like, oh man, Mao, Heavens feel really fucking sold those two, huh? Yeah. Um, and then the, the themes and motifs that I'd hit, in, like even in just a prologue, uh, looking at this list is interesting because it's like, oh, wow, okay, they it actually landed this by Heavens feel, which was uh, uh, intimacy and emotional connection versus professionalism as a means of hiding. Uh, uh, being doomed to a fate, magic and power being meaningless if it only brings hap- or it'll only bring unhappiness. Uh, instrumentation of the uh, vulnerable towards violence. Uh, that saving one person means not saving another, uh, and that truth, authenticity, and ideals are irrelevant in the face of uh, material results and power. Um, and like, oh hey, all of those like end up being hit pretty consistently, but especially in Heaven's Feel. Yeah. Uh. Similarly, now that we're done with Heaven's Feel, uh, how accurate do you think Gen Urobuchi's read on that love story is that it is about... Gen Urobuchi can eat my whole asshole. <laughs> that is about the dark side that all women have, but how men can accept that and love women regardless, something akin to the dignity of men comes across. Gen Urobuchi can eat my fucking ass. <laughs> He's still... Holy what shit. What a fucking hack. What a fuck... <laughs> What a fundamental misunderstanding of Heaven's Feel. What what a vile misinterpretation of Heaven's Feel. Oh, to and, to and, Nasu's and... credit, I think his his response to that, even though like I I think Nasu does respect Urubuchi more than Urubuchi kind of deserves. I do like Nasu's follow up to that is that um, he says romance is something where a couple blindly pursue each other's ideals. Love, on the other hand, is something where two people accept each other, including the painful reality that comes with it. There are no ideals to be found there. It's just about coming to terms with the reality. Uh, which yeah. I think is a much uh, better read of what the rela- relationship between Shiro and Sakura is in that route uh, compared to, yes. say, the Fate route, where it is following that sort of traditional romance that nasu describes yeah i i mean i i agree like i I think nasu like pretty cleanly makes the distinction Uh, um and like for me it is so vile to take heaven's feel something that is like so blatantly and explicitly in part sakura's story and about sakura's uh uh it is never a story about Shiro loving Sakura uh, uh, despite the darkness in her, uh, but like, and saving her from that darkness or in spite of that dark. It's like that's not what Heaven's Feel is about. Like, it, it is important that like that final confrontation, the thing that shocks Sakura out uh, and like makes her realize, oh, other people suffer. Other people ha- it, it like, oh right, I need to have empathy. I am being childish and throwing a tantrum and hurting the people around me that I love is not hurting Shiro. It's hurting Rin. Yeah. I'm pretty sure what happened here is Urubuchi read Heaven's Feel and he just latched on to the parts where Sakura thinks to herself about how she wants uh, 
uh, Shiro to herself and how she'll she'll hurt him to protect him and how she's jealous of of Rin and just lash onto that like a vice and discard the other context of where that's even coming from <laughs> and like ah yes the dark side oh my God. of women that's <laughs> women so upsetting be to me because like uh, Heaven's Feel is such a it stumbles a lot and I am not saying it is a work devoid of misogyny. Yeah, no, we, we've certainly, <laughs> we have certainly, like, uh, uh, given Nasu uh, uh, a, a roasting. roasting over some of the things he did in Heaven's Feel as well. <laughs> but, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, Heaven's Feel is a work that, even if it is bad at expressing it, feels nothing but compassion for Sakura and wants the world for her. And, like, to misinterpret it like that and to reframe it as about Shiro is so upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> Genner Ibuchi fucking huff my shorts. So, so you're saying you're very excited Maybe to get to Fate the Zero, the, the Fate story that Urubuchi wrote. Gen Urubuchi is my fucking arch rival, <laughs> and I swear one of these days I will meet him in the goddamn pit. <laughs> Uh, in his defense, there is some some stuff about Fate Zero I like quite a lot, but also... I love Madoka! I hate any time Gen talks about Madoka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you never want him to... You will never want to hear him talk about a thing he made that you like. No, never. Never in a million goddamn years. Because you're like, I, I like this for totally different reasons than why you write it, wrote it to begin with. <laughs> God... Uh, yeah. Ugh. I think that's probably it. I think I think we're done talking about Fate's Day Night, at least for now. Um, yeah, I I don't really have much more to say here. Um, I'm I'm going to be thinking about Fate's Day Night for a long time. Yeah. Um, and that's more than I expected. I'm very glad I read this. Yeah. So, um, we will be taking uh a longer break between recordings this time, um, probably about three or four weeks. Uh, so that, yeah, we, it, it turns out having to watch 24 episodes of an anime is just literally more time it takes than to read. Yeah. A we're not novel. doing like five hours of, of anime. Well, actually more than that. Cause we're also becoming going to be covering heaven's feel. Um, fuck that's right. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to call it now. It's just going to have to be four yeah. weeks. Especially for something subbed, I, I I just do not have it in me to watch the Studio Dean adaptation and uh, uh, all three Heaven's Feel movies like that. Yeah, fast. that's fair. Um, uh, yeah, so we're we're gonna be taking um, almost certainly a, a four week break so we can watch through the uh, Studio Dean adaptation uh, and the Heaven's Feel movies. Um, we will not be covering um, the UFO table on Limited Blade Works because it's just Unlimited Blade Works again. Uh, yeah, it's just the it's, same it's thing. It's a very good it's adaptation, not, not but also it is a very faithful adaptation, so there's nothing really to cover. I, I, I can't do it again, man. I can't do Unlimited Blade Works again. Yeah. Also that. <laughs> I can't fucking do it Especially again. Especially not now. Like, before Heaven's Feel, I was like, yeah, I've got some issues with, like, uh, how oh Unlimited Blade Works ends and the, and the way that, like, the conflict between, like, Shiro and Archer is handled, but, like... 
like overall it's like a, a fun action anime with some good fight scenes and I like Rin. But like with the context of Heaven's Feel, it's like I can't I can't do this again. I can't. Uh I can't deal with Sh- I can't deal with Unlimited Blade Works Shiro ever again. I can't deal with any route that forgets Sakura exists at this point, knowing what I know yeah. now. Um yeah, so we're not going to be covering that, uh, both because we can't, we wouldn't be able to stand it, and also because there's nothing to cover. Um, yeah, yeah. So Dean and Heaven's Feel, uh, and then once we're done with that, we'll be getting to Hollow Ataraxia. I'm so hyped for Hollow Ataraxia. Hell yeah, um, I need to find out where I can steal Hollow Ataraxia. From. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that'll be it. Um, once again, you can find me at Stilts the GM. Oh, right. I exist on Twitter. People can follow me. Uh, I'm at Rhetoric Acrobat, I guess. Uh, this podcast is at Gotcha Journalism. We should also probably say that, considering it's a it's a different handle than... Uh, we should yeah. maybe look into changing that handle at some uh, point. I have. Um, I, I kept trying to find variations of Saber Metrics that would work, but like they're either... They're all taken. Because <laughs> the problem is like... That's the problem with a with a jokey pun name is that because sabermetrics, like sabermetrics is a real baseball term, like variations of that are going to be taken by like people who just like baseball. So I, I mean, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, I, um, I, I might mean, need listen, to find something adjacent at, in, instead. We can always just use the initials I G S O B H K A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Ixobica. Yeah, maybe I should just... I'll, I'll, I'll figure out something. Listen, I'm never going to let that name go. I'm going to be honest with you. It brings me too much yeah, joy. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just I just can't put it on album art. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It is not the professional name. <laughs> uh, I'm not ashamed anyways, of it. I just, uh, I just can't put it on album art. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. It, it, Apple... A podcast or whatever would probably be annoyed at um, us. But yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, that'll that be it for uh, this episode of, um, of I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur. Um, and all I have to say is, are you happy, Sierra? I am happy. Have a nice night, folks. Bye.